I think that can be our starting sound, maybe. Maybe that'll be the good one, I don't know. Anyway, this is J-Lights, and this is Null Point. Well, I'm not J-Lights and Null Point. This is J-Lights, and we are doing the Null Point show today. I've got the mic right in front of me. Apologies if that's a bit disconcerting. And I've noticed that the camera's a little bit off. Not that it really... Not that it really matters. Okay, it was bugging me. In the And I also got my window open, so if I seem a little brighter on this side, that's why. Um, yeah, so I am here with uh, with Cedric. How's it going? Fine. Fine? What? <laughs> uh, can you uh, turn my headphones down a few minutes? Turn your headphones down. How's that? Is that better? A little louder. A little louder? Yeah. Oh, that, that? Yeah, okay. that's good. We're professionals here. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you differently. Um, and let's move this a little bit to the side. There we go. So people can see my face if that's what you're into. So Cedric's over here. I've actually got a, um, I've got a circular light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have it. It's a very uh, interesting portcullis. Yes, and I think people can actually see if if you see that light in my in my eyes. If you see that light reflecting off my glasses, that's because there's a circle light. And I'm looking at it because Cedric is in the middle of that circle light. I know you're supposed to put your camera there, but um, I'm just a rebel without a cause, let me tell you. So, <laughs> something like that. This still continues to be null point as I continue to just kind of ramble on about things because I'm scared to start the actual podcast, apparently. Certainly. So, <laughs> so how are you doing today, Cedric? Doing good. Doing I think good. We, we have to have banter, right? Banter? Yeah. This is the meta section of the banter, podcast. Uh, banter doesn't work without... Uh, I'm trying to think of a banjo and kazooie joke and banter being banjo... Continuity? Yeah. Banja. Bad content. What? (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm a little bit like, I'm a little out of it at the moment. Like, I've actually been feeling really good for the Mm. last few days. We we talked about that a little bit before we started the stream. um, How I may quite likely have. Oh, oh, hey. um, Oh, boy, finally here for a Monster Hunter World stream. Good. Yeah. 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 We're we're not even going to talk about it. But, um, oh, I forgot to do. There we go. That's the right camera. That way people know that they can feel free to com- comment because we might use it for whatever that's worth. Anyway, um, yeah, I've been feeling a lot better lately because I went gluten-free. And now that's not because gluten's bad okay, or anything like that. Like It's just that um, I've been having intestinal issues for a while now. Um, and they were going to test me for celiacs. And I was like, well, maybe I should just not eat gluten. And so I stopped eating gluten and now I feel really good. <laughs> so I think I quite possibly have celiacs or some other um, form of gluten uh, intolerance and I'm feeling a lot better as a result so that's fantastic but I'm still feeling a bit discombobulated because we just talked about like all the stuff we wanted to do in this podcast and now my brain's like what was all the things I don't remember you didn't take notes on any of them that's for sure no I did I wrote them all down right there (laughs) plus I'm trying to figure out how much how much banter um, we need before we actually start talking about the news. We I need mean, a, we need more stings. Like we don't have any stings. We've just got that one, and that's a good one. Is that <laughs> is that for the news? Maybe. No, th- that's for whenever one of us makes a joke that we immediately regret. Oh, um, <laughs> that'd be every joke for me. I'd have said it the whole entire time, just going like that repeatedly. <laughs> uh, Sudan's saying gluten is delicious, so that sucks. Uh, I mean. One of the things that makes me think I probably actually have a gluten intolerance is I stopped eating gluten and now the thought of eating gluten actively makes me not 
happy. So, and that's knowing that gluten is in cakes and donuts and all sorts of things that are super tasty. Like even knowing all of that, I don't think you could get me to eat it. Nothing tastes as good as not starving to death. Yeah. Nothing tastes as good as not feeling like crap all the time. So, (laughs) yeah, so I'm excited about this, but uh, it is unfortunate in some ways. I'm not, again, saying gluten is generally bad. I just am saying I apparently have a gluten intolerance. But it's it out. generally bad for, you said 10%? It's like 5 to 10%. Five to somewhere 10. in there. It could be, I think it's probably closer to 5. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting though, because there, there was for a while this huge gluten is bad sort of movement going on. And I genuinely feel that part of that has to be a lot of people who have celiacs don't get diagnosed ever. Yeah. Um, it's estimated that like 2 million Americans have celiacs. And nowhere near that many people are diagnosed with celiacs. And that would mean that if the gluten diet was becoming really popular, that uh, a lot of folks who have undiagnosed celiacs would take, would, would stop eating gluten. And of course they'd feel better. They'd feel fantastic. And then you start going around telling people, oh yeah, I started the gluten-free diet and, and I feel so much better and life's just great. And it's like, you had celiacs probably. Like that's why you feel better. It's not that it's not that gluten's not, bad. No, it's because kale is a superfood. <laughs> that's it's clearly what it is. Don't eat gluten. Gluten's bad. Make your dick fly off. South Park reference for anybody who didn't know. They did, they do an oh, episode on South that. South Park. Ah, I love South Park. I know you don't. Though. <laughs> so we'll we'll not talk about it too much. Um, but I hope Krona heard that and is laughing in the other room because uh, she thinks it's funny. Mm. Anyway, so that's been me. And I recognize South Park has humor attempts. <laughs> Bad CJ. Bad. Um, man, we need more sounds, though. We need stings for, like, when we're going to start the news. I forgot this was being streamed. Oh, hey. <laughs> South Park is the NHW of TV. It's the Monster Hunter World of TV. Only in the sense that CJ won't do that, and I love it, I guess. Like, see, yeah, he's shaking his head. He's like, nah, man, I don't do South Park. I can't blame him. I can't blame him. But yeah, Corona, this is, this is being streamed live. We'll, we'll put your comment up. It'll be great. Yeah. People are like, if you're listening to this on, on some podcasting service of which I need to learn about and put it on, um, yeah, we do this live on Twitch. It's uh it's J lights is my channel and that's where we're, we're doing these things for now, at least might stay that way because I'm thinking of turning my channel mostly into podcasting if I'm honest because I enjoy just sitting around and talking yeah I think it would be I I think it'd be easier than trying to make a conversation out of playing Sims 4 if I'm honest Mm. so let's see Um, I really should buckle down and get a channel icon but lazy (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds like you Sardane Um, there's a couple fart sounds on there that I definitely didn't use for a Joey video like oh on yeah, we have Splice, and I can get sounds from off of Splice and put them on here. I just need to stop being lazy and, and get some put together. Whatever you use for the news should be... It should be trumpets, I think. That's the typical news thing. dun dun dun, dun. Like that? Or like, wah, 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 wah. Well, I know some more news <laughs> does. Da-da, 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 da-da. Oh, sorry, not that part. <laughs> um... Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's, we should get into the news though. I guess it's that time. <laughs> That's not a news sound. <laughs> that, that is kind of the news lately. <laughs> what the what? What? Anyway. So we're going to hit the biggest, most important part of news. I was, we were going through, um, oh, just bust out the can can. I don't know that we have dun, 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 dun. That would be good news <laughs> music. I think that 
The most important news that I noticed when we were talking about this before the stream started um, is this item that I found on PC Gamer. Um, Atari denies it is owned by Soldier Boy, which is just amazing to me that they felt the need to specifically let people know. Well, you see, they're only letting people know because they because it's didn't, true. They didn't. <laughs> have a press release prepared they're owned by the same shell company as soldier boy soldier boy is owned by the same shell company as atari denies owned by soldier boy so the (laughs) this reminds me of like back in the late 90s early 2000s there's a a baseball player named mike piazza Mm -hmm. who held a press conference just to explain to everybody that he wasn't gay nobody had asked but he held a press conference to Definitely explain something that straight people do. Yeah, all the time. And he <laughs> did. He did make sure that he pointed out, "No, I don't have anything problem. Like I know gay ball players. Like it's not that big of a deal, et cetera, et cetera." But I myself, fish sticks. <laughs> I myself am not gay. Sir Dane says fish sticks. Yep. That, that makes me feel like I should be trying this on. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> That ends up being a gay slur, though, so maybe I won't do that one. There's a joke on South Park, which is in poor taste, but it it goes, um, hey, do you like, like fish sticks? I mean, that's a like lot of why sticks? I don't watch <laughs> South Park, is because anything that you actually reference from it is probably, probably insulting someone. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and I'm trans over here, and they actually have a, an ongoing character that is definitely mocking that whole entire thing. Mm. I'll admit that like ever since I got more comfortable with being uh, trans myself, like some of that stuff's a little harder to watch, but yeah. I don't know. It's weird like I think all of us do this to some extent, but I have some places in my mind where I let people get away with stuff that I normally wouldn't because I like the thing for the most part. South Park yeah. would be one. Another one would be like Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear for anybody who's familiar with Top Gear. Because he is terrible to like everybody. And the thing you always tell yourself, oh, but he's, he's mean to everybody. So it's <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay if you're a bigot to everyone but yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's mean to himself too. And South Park's mean to themselves. But I don't know that that necessarily excuses it. I don't know. I'm not. Corona Fox is like, I'm not into BDSM. No one asked. I just wanted y'all to know that I'm not into not into BDSM. Okay. <laughs> just, just so you know. So, Soldier Boy, uh, the modern form of. I'm going to read this from PC Gamer. So, everybody, just hold on a second. Um, let's see. The modern form of Atari is a zombie. A bunch of past Glory Day companies that have acquired the assets and IPs. This is from PC Gamer, by the way of one of the greats and use them in all sorts of slightly questionable ways. We've had Atari casinos, concepts for Atari hotels, dabbling in crypto, the nice looking but wildly overpriced Atari VCS relaunch, and most recently, of course, Atari got into NFTs. Did they? Uh, I'm not going to click that link, but I hear hear some exasperation. (laughs) (laughs) NFTs are just a frustrating concept. Mm. Well, if that wasn't all mad enough, now the rapper Soldier Boy has taken to social media to declare that he, the one and only Soldier Boy, now owns Atari. He's pretty excited about it too. I own Atari, the first rapper ever to own a video game company. They're kind of more than a video game Didn't company. Soldier Boy basically get bootleg switches and sell them as the Soldier Boy console or something. I don't know. I feel like there was a John Tron video on that. That sounds like something. Soldier Boy adds that Atari is apparently going to buy Soldier Boy console company for a cool 140 mil. And then Atari was like, nah, brah. There's a bunch more to this article, but we know this. That's here's a tweet from Atari: "Is we know that CEO of Atari is a dream job, but that honor belongs to Wade Rosen. I've CEO and owner are not the same thing, so I don't think that's a denial. I don't think that's a denial. <laughs> Why on <laughs> earth? Of all the news, good job, PC gamer. Way to way to get to the bottom of these things. 
If you were trying to clickbait, it worked well. I just read the article on my podcast. So. It honestly sounds like something that would be posted on The Onion. Uh, yeah, it really does. Just ignore the third drawer on the right. I don't know what Serdane's talking about. Third drawer's on the right, but... Uh, making reference to the not into BDSM. Oh, I see. Yeah, just don't look. Don't, don't look in that drawer. Anyway, so <laughs> we have other things we're going to talk about that are probably a little bit more serious. Um... Probably. And I wanted to do a funny one because the first one that Cedric wanted to talk about is actually somewhat of a serious serious thing, but we're going to treat it with our typical lighthearted, way too serious attitude that we have. Mm. <laughs> so Roblox, you, you had brought up, this is the first, or first thing of the day, right? Into that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll cover Final Fantasy fourteen after that. All right. So what's, what's up with Roblox? You were telling me about this before the show. So if you can pull up the video and let me know the name of the channel... Oh, yeah, that'd be good. I, I want to say it was People Make Games. Okay, give me a second here to open but Discord. There was a video that I, I was sent in a Discord that uh, was discussing Roblox's economic practices and uh, yikes. Apparently, yikes. Um, so, long story short, uh, Roblox is a game platform more than a game itself. Yeah. It, you, I mean, I remember when it was first coming out and it looked like such a nifty idea because you could you could use like, I thought you could use almost like these little bead, beater things to make like, uh, I'm thinking of something else. Is it the one where you can like take a picture of this kind of pixelated looking thing and then you can import that into the game and is that Roblox or? I don't know. Anyway, it's used by kids to make games essentially. But, yeah, so the main demographic of Roblox is, I want to say, it 8 is, to 16. It is from People Makes Games, by the way. They're the ones that Cedric is referencing here. Uh, very good video. Definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Roblox in general, it main demographic is 8 to 16, and they pitch themselves as much as a content platform as they do a game experience right to the point where when you're selling stuff on their store even though you're making games they say you're providing experiences because there is a clause in the apple uh software store yeah, you contract can't, yeah. that you can't have a game store in their store yeah which is something that i believe epic games has had a huge snit over isn't that isn't that correct like didn't possibly i think epic was mad because the epic store wasn't going to be allowed and they were suing as i recall that's an old story but it did happen so and that raises other questions but it for the purposes of roblox there's a lot bigger issues going on so to me like just at the start it's a little i didn't know that you could sell your creations on roblox to me that's a little bit concerning because roblox is aimed at like 8 to 16 maybe even younger than 16 it's aimed at kids really absolutely aimed at kids yeah 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 so not only are you getting kids into the workforce at that age, I mean, technically they're entering it as hobbyists, which is a gray working, area. Working on your parents' game farm, something like that. But <laughs> from... <laughs> Step it on the microphone cable. Uh, from the... From there, it, it just gets worse and worse because when you sell stuff on Steam and Epic... They're going to take about a 30% cut. And if you're selling yeah. a game using the Epic Game or the Unreal Engine, Epic Games Engine on Steam, you're looking at probably about 55% that you just don't get. 
Really? On Steam, you don't get... Fit. Wait, you said... Did you mean Roblox? No. So Unreal. Because Unreal Engine takes a cut, and Steam takes a cut. Oh, so right. So combined, you're looking at about 55%. Because Steam... Is there, I thought Steam took like 30. I thought that yeah. for some games, at least, I thought the Unreal Store was taking 15, but maybe that's just for really big ones. Well, I, I was talking about the case where... You, you do both. You built in Unreal, and you're selling yeah. on Steam. Okay. And those go down as you make more and more money, because, of course, if you're making less money, then you you need more of it. Yeah, for some <laughs> reason. But uh, point being, 55% is kind of the high end of what you're looking at getting taken from your profits mm. whenever you use those platforms. Okay. Roblox has a reported rate of about 75%. Wow. And then they pay you out in company script. <laughs> Which is the best way to get paid. So that means that the only thing you can use that money for is stuff inside of Roblox. Hmm. But you can get it out to real world money. Hmm. So whenever you get it, whenever you want to convert it from the Roblox currency to real world money, you're mm-hmm. looking at a loss of about 35 or 70%. So that's 70% of 70% that you're actually getting. Right. And on and this top is this of, is after you've probably purchased assets inside of Roblox, right? Like yeah, you have to put and, and you have to put money in. Oh, yeah. Cuz like you have to put money in which you have to exchange for a, an internal currency, mm-hmm. which you mentioned before, and you're already losing money doing that part. And then you buy assets and then you make a game and then when you sell the game, they're taking part of that and then when you convert the company script back to real money they're taking part of that and when you yeah. total that all together it ends up being like 75% of your earnings right? No. 75% no? is what they take before the conversion rate. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Uh, and then if you do that conversion you need to have um, at least a thousand dollars going to your bank account before you can actually do that conversion. Now, mm. in comparison, if you are on Twitch and you want to take your payouts from Twitch over to PayPal or wherever, mm-hmm. they ask for $100 just because they don't want to be doing uh, minor transactions pretty much. Mm. They don't want to deal with paying that $2 charge on a $1 dollar. Transfer. Fair enough. And I think because Twitch does the same thing. Yeah, but it's a hundred. So you're looking yeah. at Roblox who has a thousand and there's no reason to have it that high other than to keep people from withdrawing money from your own economy. Which, yeah, which, yeah. And it's not great. It's not great. They have a whole bunch of outreach programs that are trying to get kids to design content for Roblox. So it's yeah. not even just that they are... I mean, and in, in some ways, like, making a platform is not... Yeah. On its own, a bad thing. Like there are plenty of companies out there that have really good platforms. Like I'm, I'm okay with Steam. I'm okay. YouTube's another platform that maybe mm-hmm. takes a bit much. I'm told YouTube takes about fifty five percent of revenue from any given video, which which seems a little high. Um, I know the App Store was thirty percent. I think they dropped it to fifteen. Yeah. Recently, and I don't know where the Google Play Store is, but that's all. Like, I mean, because you do, you have to maintain the servers you have to maintain the software the storefront's not mm-hmm. cheap like all these things kind of make some sense part of me is like you should flat fee it over a certain amount of money in my opinion Possibly. maybe but i guess it kind of makes sense if especially if a lot of people are using because when we're talking about the app store at least 
There's a lot of services that Apple takes care of for you, like cloud storage space, so you don't have to mm-hmm. take care of it yourself when you're making your app. Um, communication between apps is taken care of by Apple. Like all that is taken care of. All that ser- all those server concerns are, are being taken care of on that side. But I don't feel like Roblox has all that. They do have a server, obviously. They have a. Do they, they have multiplayer in Roblox? Yeah. Or? Okay. There, so there's a lot that. of stuff they take care of, but it's not anything really all that different from, like, say, Steam, who. Mm-hmm. Engages in controller support, uh, multiplayer connection, servers, fair, um, cloud storage. Like you were saying, they got cloud Crazy. saves. Seventy five percent, and that's before the conversion rate. And then you've the got to make a thousand dollars. And it, it, like, on the one hand, I mean that's like, kind of that's kind of crappy. But then you're like doing all this really kind of complex discrete step mathematics and you're doing it to like eight-year-old kids yes yeah, that, that's really? the thing like it's shitty if you're targeting adults with that it's a bad thing to do yeah it's so much worse when your demographic I would is agree. eight to 16 <laughs> i agree so people be warned if you're listening to this um and there, there's probably more details that'll come out about this and hopefully like there can be some adjustments mm. going forward but yeah cedric was telling me about that in brief before we started and I was like oh we should make sure we bring it up you know and if anybody out there knows more about it or has any clarifications please feel and free to we're, we're doing kind of a, a disservice or, to the topic um, yeah people make games uh, that channel did interviews with some of the content creators ah. looked at the actual st- to, uh, statistics of the economy yeah and uh, probably has more resources in their description so that was well. and it was people make Games and the title of the video was, uh, I think it was, oop, here we go. No, uh, investigation how Roblox is exploiting your game developers, young game developers. Um, that's from People Make Games. Go give it a watch if you want more details. Um, if I was putting this on YouTube, I'd say a link will be in the description, but I don't think this is going on YouTube. So, but you're not going to post it everywhere. Oh, maybe. You know, it's interesting. If we got lighting set up properly in here, I could put you on on one side of the screen. We could just <laughs> put all this out on YouTube. It'd be great. So that's that's topic one. So obviously we're hitting the, the good ones first. So to move on to the second part of the news, we were going to complain about Final Fantasy fourteen a lot. <laughs> now this was Jay's topic. <laughs> I have not touched Final Fantasy fourteen in a year now yeah and this is more like a conversational type of topic than anything else and i'm sure sir dane will probably have a couple things to say but i've been i'm just gonna be real like this is my podcast right so (laughs) so i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna be real i'm not super impressed by where the community is going right now and this Mm. could just be the subreddit um i don't think uh i'm actually playing 14 right now hit me and maybe sir dane will have a, a bit more of a a take on this um to be fair like i haven't been playing the game a lot lately for a lot of reasons um the biggest reason being elite dangerous <laughs> just playing a <laughs> different game but i've been unimpressed with what i've seen on the subreddit the subreddit used to be a place i felt like i could go uh to just kind of chill and look at really awesome fan drawings of, of their characters uh and kind of talk about you know, things that are funny to the Final Fantasy fourteen community and da 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 da. Now for people who are not aware, was it about a month ago now that Asmongold decided to play fourteen? I mean you could just go look at Google Trends. And, yeah, that's true, because it, it definitely changed things a lot. It was pretty crazy. Um, suddenly interest in fourteen kind of skyrocketed. Now I don't think Asmongold is like the god of all MMO players and his he was gracious the ascension. Breaking point. He was the breaking point. People have been complaining about WoW for a long time, and I feel like 
culturally, a lot of folks who were sticking around WoW, and it's just my opinion, it was a very strong one. A lot of folks who were sticking around WoW thought that Final Fantasy XIV was for a different kind of player. <laughs> they were, you know, PvP is the big thing in WoW, and, and people are kind of stuck on their masculinity a little bit sometimes, and it, it feels a bit yeah. dude bro-ish at, at times. Um, whereas Final Fantasy XIV is like the exact opposite of that. And so there was kind of this like, oh, I don't want to go play XIV, I'd be a weeb, or something along those lines. And then Asmongold's like, I think I'm going to play 14. And it feels like all of Asmongold's fans were like, oh, well, if Asmongold's doing it, then I wouldn't be a weeb if I was to do that. And so they all <laughs> kind of came over and, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Perdicious. Perdicious, Asmongold brought a whole lot of wow toxicity with him. Now, I want to be very clear about something because I actually do follow Asmongold somewhat. And I don't think that Asmongold, for the most part, has actually been that bad of an actor. Asmongold doesn't really police his community as well as some folks could. Like, he doesn't kick out the jerks because he just kind of figures people can just be what they want to be. But, you know, Asmongold going back a long time ago, I think was very, very, uh, you know, he was trying to cause problems. He was trying mm -hmm. to upset people. He was trying to be an issue because it, it got him more attention and he was trying to grow a Twitch channel. Um, but over the last couple of years, I think Asmongold's actually been relatively sane and i actually think he's made a lot of really good points about wow i think he's made good points about 14 i genuinely feel that he wanted to play 14 because he was interested not because he was trying to cause problems but because he was interested and Serdane summarizes my next point as asmund gold is isn't the problem it's his fans from what i've seen in this his video he's pretty well spoken and seems to genuinely enjoy 14 and I, i'd agree but he has a lot of folks who hang on to his twitch channel who are interesting folks. And it's beyond that though, because once Asmongold left, a bunch of people started leaving. Like Mad Season gave up on WoW, which blew my mind. If you know who Mad Season is, like he's been chronicling like the early days of, of WoW. Like it's, it was, it was really good stuff. I still recommend watching Mad Season show on YouTube. It's, gr it's a great channel. He gave up on WoW. Mm. Um, Blitz, not, pardon me, not Blitzchung. That's, that's something that happened to Blizz a while ago. Um, I'm trying to like Bellular, Bellular Gaming, which is another huge WoW Blizzard channel, left WoW. Like you've got these major names who are all like, eh, we're out of here, and they all decided to play 14. And so a lot of the WoW community is coming over as a result, and they don't get it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but yeah, they don't. I, I don't know that get any it. Of this has even has to do with like malicious actors. It's no. just a difference in culture yeah and like a lot of it's been i remember when i played wow like you had a dps meter you just had one yeah you you were gonna get to know how many hits you were doing per second how much damage you're doing per second um in any instance of a dungeon that you were in and you know how many people who were in your party or what kind of damage they're doing and it was a bit of a competition and you definitely definitely rain on people who weren't doing well that's just part of wow's culture but then you come over to 14 yeah i know you're shaking your head that's one of the reasons i i left wow one yeah. of them it's not actually the main one it's not even close but but yeah um so wow uh has kind of that attitude though and it's been crazy being on the final fantasy 14 subreddit these days the number of people not just new players but older players who like pvp and like high level dps and and just feel emboldened now like, they're just out in force. Anytime you're like, mm -hmm. oh, hey, you know, Yoshi P, the 
producer of Final Fantasy fourteen and, and the Final Fantasy fourteen team would really prefer if you guys didn't talk about DPS numbers, don't talk about your use of ACT, which I use ACT. I just don't talk about it in game because you're not supposed to. And the number of people who are coming out and being like, man, you people are just a bunch of idiots and like, what's wrong with the conversation? And like, I don't understand why you hate it so much. And like, it's just, oh my gosh. And it's starting so many fights. And it's weird because you've got people who are super pro, we're going to be super competitive, who are yelling. And then on the other hand, you've got people who are really wanting to maintain the community that Final Fantasy XIV has had that's been generally a nice community and they're overdoing the nice by just telling the dps lovers to shut up and it's like that's not that was never the spirit of the subreddit yeah um it's it's really been divisive and i keep waiting for it to kind of normalize but it just it and just the hasn't weird yet thing to me about like dps lovers is it, it's never a conversation like hey guys i found this drastic new technique that upped my dps by 40 percent, and it's amazing yeah it's always like you do this or you will die and i will yeah. find you and it's like well, why find your house i will burn your dog um it's true it's true and people can be that way like i remember one guy was trying to defend himself to me i assume a guy it could have been a girl too but somebody was trying to defend this dps meter usage to me on the subreddit and was like, look, I need to tell you a story. I was like, oh, this can only be the best. And they're like, yeah, I was in a dungeon recently and there was a monk and they were just using tail, tail whip, I believe is the name of the move. Uh, they were just using it over and over again. And like, they were really bad. And I'm like, first off, you weren't using a DPS meter. You were just watching that they were using one attack. So let's start with that. Didn't need the DPS meter for that nonsense and they're like yeah and they were just doing really bad so i told them hey you need to use positionals and you need to you need to be using your whole rotation and in the player like you know they added in one more thing and it's like this player's obviously new they only know how to use one move the first time i played monk in a dungeon i used one move the whole time i didn't know you needed to rotate yeah even and if you know how to play monk in the overworld dungeons are just very different so overwhelming in the amount of particles and stuff it doesn't even matter if you know how to play you can just your brain shuts exactly down. exactly and so this this guy was telling me this story about how like they called him out and the person was like oh man like okay and so like they, they like and he was like yeah and they just they just added one more move and, and so i kicked him out because they needed to go learn the dungeon and it's like this is msq how like, are you going to <laughs> learn a dungeon in final <laughs> fantasy 14 as a dps <sighs> without being in the dungeon which means you have to be with other people i'm with you and he was like, oh they just need to go down the rotation solo queue a dungeon nope. as a dps no. even if you're like you can't 40 levels over and i don't i don't remember the dungeon but i remember it being one of the early ones in r and it's like why like why don't you just take a few seconds to explain like i was lucky to have a good fc and i could always find somebody to do a dungeon with that was going to be willing to explain things. Mm. Anyway, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Like, this person's clearly wrong. That much is obvious to me, at least. But what amazes me is how many people are talking like them in the community right now. Now, real real quick, let's... I want to catch up on chat really fast. Uh, Sardane's saying... Um, let's see. 9.1 has been the best release for 14 in a while. It's true. Uh, though I feel like the recent Warcraft updates were probably an improvement on the last expansion. It's just that they weren't good enough. Like people expect WoW to be so much more amazing than it is kind of deservedly. So, uh, the contrast yeah. in 14 is those things are actually a bannable offense because yeah, and because act is against 14's toss, but they do look the other direction about ACT. If 
you don't bring it up in game. I've used ACT many times to make sure that I'm actually hitting my rotation correctly and just mm. to kind of see, to challenge myself to keep my DPS as high as possible. But I would never bring it up to anybody else and I would never, never try to kick somebody based on DPS. Oh, yeah. Ever. Um, and that's really what they're trying to avoid, if you ask me. So ACT is, uh, yeah, ACT is something that lets you track DPS. Um, it is, rotations are a myth. Yeah, I mean, it depends on who, what sort of character we're talking about, because with Monk, you actually do, at least it used to be, that uh, when you did Monk, you needed to do one move to get the next one to get the next one. Um, but I think they got rid of that. I think. I, the last the last class I played was Dancer, and I know they changed Monk since I stopped playing Monk. So, so. the but thing perhaps, with Final Fantasy XIV is even uh, classes that aren't hard locked into their rotation, mm -hmm. you're looking at doing. I want to say ten percent. It might even be more drastic. You do like ten percent of the damage if you're not doing your rotation. It's yeah. drastic. I think that Perdicious was pointed out. It's not so much a rotation as a combo, but that's detail i would agree um but anyway i don't want to get too caught up in that sort of stuff because i think all of us who play games heavily it's really easy to get stuck in the weeds like that we all know yeah. that we all see the problem um but what's saddening to me is just that 14 feels so much less relaxing as a result um yeah that, that I, was uh, the real thing about 14 oh, was nice. not like the story's fine i guess the story is not fine. Some people enjoy Get out. the story. <laughs> uh, no, the like, story is amazing is what you're looking for. <laughs> the story for me has gone... It not, goes okay, up and down. Okay, really quickly. <laughs> not everybody in the world loves Final Fantasy XIV's story. I'm looking in the camera. People on the podcast can't see that. But I'm telling Perdicious and Serdane, not everybody loves the story and that's fine. And I should point out, um, I'm actually a big defender of folks who just decide to... By level, by level skips and by story skips and just because all they want to do is the high level raid content. I don't really care about that sort of stuff. Like I don't think it's a problem. I do feel there's more argument about it these days. Hmm. Um, but to me, that's to me that's the real issue of all this. Is not like is there a right, right way to play the game? Because the answer is no. There's yeah. not. There's the way that you enjoy playing the game, and then there's not playing the game. And those and are, those are the two options really. For me though, like the story wasn't really the thing that clicked for me. The combat was fine it was serviceable most of final fantasy 14 was b minus b average but it was just a great place to go and hang out and if that's being drained from the community that's a real problem yeah no i'm with you it was it was a fun hangout and i think that um group content when you do it with your friends at least is really fun doing group content with randos is always a freaking crapshoot but when you do it with your friends like the, the boss fights are really fun. I enjoy them anyway because they involve a lot of movement and, and trying to kind of figure out the mechanics, and I've always enjoyed them. As long as I'm doing it with people that I know or I'm doing it with AI because doing it with randos, I've had too many bad experiences. Um, I do need to read this comment from Perdicious, um, which is, uh, if I can move this away from my mouth a little bit. The story is a heartfelt tale of two young elves who are trying to make their dead grandfather proud by making the world a better place. You take that back. I will not take it back. But I see your point. <laughs> this is Alizé and <laughs> Alphano. Sorry, my brain skipped a beat for a second. They're not elves, are they? Oh, well, I mean, technically they're not elves. They're Elizen, <laughs> but whatever. We're not gonna look. We're not gonna get on predictions <laughs> for that. He's got a top level monk, and so we have to we have to believe him. You know. Okay. But uh, <laughs> Alizé and the other one, <laughs> Alizé, the strong, amazing female character in that 
one douchebag. I don't remember his name. Mm. Elizabeth are just elves. It's true. I, I don't disagree. Perditious. They are just elves. I mean, the last thing I remember was I was supposed to take a letter to one of them or something. And just, <laughs> I don't know. Look, all that I know is Ishtol is a goddess, and anybody who disagrees with me can disagree with me because I don't really care. But you're wrong. <laughs> um, that's why I've got I've got Ishtol up here still. Yeah, see, I've got to show all y'all that I've got. I've always got Ishtola close to me. See, people on the podcast are like, "What are you doing?" Well, I'm holding my Ishtola figure. Oh no, you're, you're. But I think the Perdicious has a point. Tataru and Nanamo um, are definitely also queens, and I like many of the Lalafell characters, even if they are Popatos. So anyway, I'm just <laughs> making sure people know I'm part of this. I put. Here's the sad thing to me is I put 600. I've got 650 hours, which anybody who knows me knows that 650 hours for Jay into a game is monstrous. Like the most I usually put into a game is like 70 or 80 if you're really lucky. Um, I love 14 and I'm, I'm just really sad to see this happening. Um, I know that a lot of the folks coming from WoW are super well-intended. I know a lot of them are great people. I've interacted with many of them who, who get it and who are trying to be, you know, good members of the 14 community. Um, but there are way too many who just need to shove it up there. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever whatever you want. To, they're subligar. There, <laughs> Put it where the sun don't shine. There's no need for that level of perfectionism. There really isn't. There isn't, and especially not in 14. If, if, and this is maybe the message to get across. If anybody who's watching this who is a WoW fan and doesn't quite understand where I'm coming from, look, MSQ, the, the dungeons you do in MSQ do not matter. Okay, You can do them when you're half asleep most of the time. It's just not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. When you get to the extremes, when you get to the trials, when you get to the stuff that is, is the optional content, yeah. I mean, you, you want to care about how well you're doing at that point but because at that it's point, harder. you usually have a guild. Yeah, you, well, you have an FC or you have a static, even better, a group yeah. of folks that you're always doing the content with, a group of friends that you're going to be doing things with. And if you've got a group of friends you're playing with, dude, get a hold of ACT. Keep track of what everybody's doing. Have conversations after the after the raid. There's nothing wrong with any of this, in my opinion. Um, but if you're doing MSQ, shut up and go along for the ride. Just don't be a problem. If somebody's having an issue, help them. Because I remember we we were doing um, raids in ARR forever ago, and we, we we've had more than one raid where you had a complete noob who for, oh, yeah. we had we had one person who charged the MSQ boss. MSQ actually aims to pair veterans with newbies. Yeah, yeah, so that you can help them out. We had we had one where there was somebody who didn't understand that you, you don't get ahead of the tank, so we just politely told him, hey, make sure you let the tank do the polls mm -hmm. um, so that we can keep the party organized. And like, okay, and they actually listened. We had another one where there was somebody who just thought it was fun to rush the boss because they figured we'd catch up, and we had a good conversation with them, and they stopped doing that. Like, there are opportunities to teach in MSQ. You don't, we don't care if you're good at MSQ. Nobody cares if you're good at MSQ. Like, you, if you barely beat the dungeon versus murdering the dungeon, you get the exact same reward. It makes zero difference. And time-wise, if you have to restart a dungeon four times, that's, what, five minutes? Maybe. Somewhere in there. You know? Now, on the bigger fights that are, like, multi-stage trials, yeah, I totally get it. Like, if you have a multi-stage trial and you're having a hard time getting past phase two and there's somebody there goofing off who gets you killed right after you finish phase two, mm -hmm. be as pissed as you want to be. Just go go right ahead and be angry at him. MSQ but is not that place. I would also place. like to point out to a lot of people that when you start shouting at someone, that's usually not going to fix the problem. No, it does every time. <laughs> Perdicious was yelling at me a second ago, and I now agree with everything Perdicious says. 
Um, let's see. Uh, Perditious. Important thing to always remember, it is a game. Games are about your own fun. Don't spoil other people's because you are perfect. Thank you. That is also a very good point, Perditious. Um, but yeah. So that's one part of our complaints. <laughs> There's actually a second part. Um, this uh, this affects Sedgwick more than it affects me. But the fact that it's just really, really hard to get away from 14 right now. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's all over the place. It is everywhere. Yeah, like, I've been trying to get away from it, and I seem to be hearing about it a whole bunch. You just go, like, I'm getting thrown ads all the time for 14. Mm -hmm. It's like, guys, you already own my soul. Like, I don't e need even ads. Even the ads aren't really a problem for me, because that's just, you know, hey, I watch anime sometimes, I play a lot of video games, it's gonna happen. Yeah. The problem is that, like, every content creator that I yep. watch right now is like, oh, and I've started playing Final Fantasy 14, and I'm just yep. like, ah. <sighs> I had somebody I watched for a long time who did League of Legends just switched to 14. Yeah. You know, Bellular, Asmongold, all on 14 And, like, now. I'm happy that they're enjoying the game and all that, but as someone that doesn't really feel like they can afford to pay for the monthly subscription... You can't afford a game that charges you 15 a month? Come on, that's <laughs> still under 200 a year, I think. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. Um, but it also, like, Google has kind of taken up this standard it seems like because it knows that i have in the past watched 14 videos yeah. so now like every content creator that has started doing 14 is being suggested to me when i go mm -hmm. to youtube it's like oh did you know asmongold's doing 14 now it's like no i hadn't heard google thank you and then there's like all these videos that are people commenting on asmongold commenting on it it's like, <laughs> come on there are other games and i i keep i keep wishing that new world would do better <laughs> <laughs> the MMO that Amazon's working on, like if New World could take off, or if uh, oh, what's that other one that and came I'm, over I'm from just Korea? sitting back here, I don't recently remember. reinstalling Guild Wars Two to be like, eh. yeah, go to Guild Wars Two, it's great. I've been playing Elite Dangerous, like <laughs> there are other games. I wall to wall. I actually, know if I'd suggest people going to Guild Wars. <laughs> I mean, look, you've got to tell all the World of Warcraft players that it's just what they want. It's Guild Wars Two. The the <laughs> one giant advantage that Guild Wars Two has is that once you buy the game, there is no monthly sub. Play at your own pace. Mm. Guild Wars Two lost me. This is Sardane. Uh, Guild Wars Two lost me when they made Guild Hall's locked behind an expansion. See, I don't know if you know this, Sardane. Um, Final Fantasy XIV does that all the effing time. And it's still cheaper than Final Fantasy XIV. Right now, if you wanted to get Guild Wars 2 and mm -hmm. all the expansions, mm -hmm. you're looking at $100, which doesn't even cover a year yeah. of subscription. <laughs> and all, like just to kind of cover the 14 thing a bit, um, little known fact about myself, I actually bought story skips for R, Heaven's Word, and Shadowbringers, not Shadowbringers, because you can't, and Stormblood. And I still played all the stories, actually. Like I went back and did the... Well, you can't do that for R yet, but for Heavensward and for um, Stormblood, I actually went back and did the the go back in time thing, and played those stories and loved them immensely. Like I don't have anything against the stories at all, but the reason I did it, the reason I skipped to the end of R and skipped Shadowbringers and skipped uh, not Shadowbringers, uh, Stormblood and skipped Heavensward is because there was stuff locked behind it, and I didn't want to wait. Now, it was a mixed bag because as soon as I did that, I couldn't do roulette anymore because suddenly the roulettes were spoiling me left, right, center, backwards, up, and down. But I did want to have a house, and I got tired of waiting. <laughs> so, And to be fair, going back through the story is a lot easier when you have flight in every single map. You know, it turns out I, I definitely was going through the story a lot faster than most people because I could fly all the time. 
it was weird getting into Shadowbringers because I couldn't fly anymore, and I was like, "What is this? This there's thing a lot of bullshit they make you do." Yeah, there really is. Um, but uh, you can get a house at level fifteen. No, you can't. You, I disagree. I would like to see the evidence of that because there's a thing you have to do at level fifty in order to buy a house. Um, I'm a hundred percent certain that you have to be at level fifty before you can buy. A, unless they changed it, you have to be at level fifty before you can buy an apartment or a house or anything. Mm. Um, and Sardane's like, really? Where? Um, oh, that's true. <laughs> Even if you could get a house at fifteen, um, Sardane says, uh, okay, you can get a house at fifteen, but where? The housing in 14 is atrocious. I will say there should be one that's available in about 10 days because I'm not playing particularly to lose my house because I'm tired of feeling like I need to log back in to keep it. So mm. I'm specifically not logging in until it's gone. And then I hopefully won't have to worry about it anymore. Um, wrong server. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but if, if you can do it at 15, uh, Perditious, please explain how because I'm, I'm not familiar with that. And I can see what Sardane's saying. Uh, rubbed you the wrong way. Played Guild Wars 1 forever. Yeah. Like if you're used to it being Guild one Wars way and then it changes. Guild Wars 1 is not an MMO. Guild Wars 1 is an entire different genre of game. Yeah. No, I... I uh, yeah. I think that this is a problem that you saw in, in WoW as well because like WoW started in one place and then it changed so much as the years go by. Long-term fans No, I mean are, it's an entire different genre. I know. I'm just saying more that when you change the mechanics of the game, even if it's if it's a complete change or it's even just minor changes over a long period of time, yeah. people tend to be annoyed. So fair. So that's probably enough complaining about fourteen. <laughs> I mean, I can keep going. I, I can complain oh, we for both, days. We both could. Um, I wasn't making the genre compare. I gotta say. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, did you have any more thoughts on fourteen or? Not particularly. Not particular. If anyone's curious, I would say Guild Wars 2 is not a substitute for it just because by allowing for you to do build customizations, they have somehow made combat less interesting in some ways. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I This is why I don't really want to talk about it too much because I need to pull my thoughts together for it. Uh, but. We'll talk about for Guild Wars 2 on another day, I think. Yeah. Um, cause we'd considered it actually for the second segment of our show, which is like, so what have you been playing lately? Um, there's a, there's a few things we need to talk about around MMO stuff, just kind of in general, yeah. cause we both got some thoughts on it. Um, I probably, I probably could talk about my fling with new world a bit. Um, uh, let's see. Perditious says, I didn't realize there was an additional quest to buy a house. It is level 50. Um, yeah, it they, has they been a long time. They tell you about houses yeah. at level 15 for some reason. Yeah, for some reason. Um, been a long time since you were level 50. Yeah, I, fi I figured. Perditious is, for those who don't know, Perditious is a long time player and an adorable Lollafell. If you're into that sort of thing. If you like Popitos. <laughs> Perditious, Perditious also has a really awesome Twitch channel. And if you go look up Perditious on Twitch, you'll get to see some cool Sims content. So go and look that up. Shouting, shouting Perditious out. Um, Sardane's getting more serious. I feel like I'm going to have to start shouting out Sardane as well all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Shout out Perditious. You won't be able to hear that on the podcast, but if you happen to be watching us on Twitch, or if you go find the recording on Twitch, anyway. Perditious, and it's spelled with uh, a three and a one. It's P3RDIT1OUS. It's been about two or three years since I hit level 50, says Perditious. So I think that probably now is the time where I'm going to say let's take a short break. And when we come back... We're going to cover some of the games that we've been playing this week, and we'll have that conversation. And uh, yeah, should be good. So, don't go, uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We will be back in probably five minutes or so. Okay. Oh, yeah. There we go. That's so that you know that we're back. 
<laughs> yep, me and me and Cedric are uh, back here. I guess I don't know. I mean, to me, it it sounds more like we should be introduced with like a where 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 we're just a big joke. Greeted by silence and crickets. <laughs> you really need to get a better cricket sound. <laughs> fanfare, fanfare. Dun 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 dun. Anyway, the Olympics are over, but not for me. <laughs> Just so everybody knows. So, first big announcement. This is very important. Hot off the press. We didn't know this because it didn't even happen until we were in the middle of our first second, our first segment. But uh, Chrono Fox, which is the handle of my wife. Um, has caught herself a shiny Clefairy. And everybody should say congratulations if you see her. Mm-hmm. Online or in chat. or No, chat. only if they see her IRL. Only if they see her IRL and know who she is. Shiny Clefairy, woo! My, yeah, my wife is a huge shiny hunter. And uh, <laughs> her name's like, Clefairy! <laughs> um, she's a huge shiny hunter, and she actually moderates uh, the shiny hunting subreddit and Discord and is involved with a couple of channels that do shiny hunting on Twitch, and uh, I, I suppose we could shout out Joey at this point if somebody wants to shout out Proper Good Games, because um, that's who she works with a bit here and there. And we're hoping to get her to come onto the show at some point here to do a little little segment about um, the shiny she's caught, and then we're just going to make a bunch of. Uh, oh, thank you, Serdane, for that shout out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll um, we'll be. Uh, I lost my train of thought. We're hoping to get her on before too long to talk about the shiny she's caught and the effort that went into to catching them. It's not going to be like a super serial discussion, mostly just us talking about it a little bit. But yeah, I think that should be interesting, personally. But that's not what our second segment is about. No, this is the serious part of the show where we talk about games we've been playing. We have segments? Yeah. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it appears, it appears like Kind of. So this is going to be an interesting what did you play this week because I'm looking at it and like all the games we decided to talk about are games Jay played this last week. Well, because the games that I played this last week are ones that I don't really feel like we want to discuss what, yet. What were they? So I... Give people a preview or something. <laughs> I, in this past week, have re-downloaded installed Guild Wars 2. Um, and have been trying to figure out why I could never get into that game. Mm. And I haven't formed an opinion yet, so... So not time to talk about it yet. Um, and then just kind of wasted some time this week. I, I <laughs> got bored of Guild Wars 2 relatively quickly and uh, started looking for other things. I found a few games on my Steam wishlist that were actually listed as free. What? And Steam never told me about them. So. Well, now you've got them. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about those next week if you'd like to. I mean, they're real short experiences. There's uh, not much to talk about. And then a well, bit of Minecraft, be... a, a bit of uh, Dark Souls, you know. If they're short indies, I think that's probably worth discussing just to kind of get a fill on them. But real quick, catch up with chat because my my darling wife is adding me. Um, did you see my last comment right quick? Uh, yeah, no. So she posted, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, there is a Discord for JLights as well. Uh, we do have a screenshots channel, and we try to put screenshots of things that we're proud of. I've been putting stuff from Elite Dangerous. Krona traditionally puts her shinies in there, and she just posted one uh, a few seconds ago. So if you would like to see that, I would recommend going and, first off, joining the, the JLights Discord, which I believe is just 
I want to say that it's just called J-Lights. Yep. J-A-E-L-I-G-H-T-S. Go look it up. And uh, then looking for the in-game screenshots thing. Uh, Serdane says he spent the whole week playing Monster Hunter World, by the way. Mm. That probably would have been a smarter use of time. (laughs) (laughs) And Fredish is talking about uh, got three boxes of shiny Luigi's I can never say that right. Um, and uh, and also, just so folks who are watching live know, like I may not read every single last one of your comments when we're doing the podcast because most of I'm just talking to CJ. Um, but I do try to keep up with chat just in case you guys make a brilliant point or even if you just say something funny or even if you just say anything, honestly. <laughs> so, but what were the... I, before we move on to the games that we'd actually talked about talking about, I'm suddenly curious. What were these small games you played? So one of them was named Glitch Space, and that is kind of a first-person platformer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's certain blocks in the world that are color-coded okay. that you can right-click on, and then it opens up a flow programming language for you to position them better in the world to suit your needs. Interesting. Yeah, it's a neat concept. Um, the sound design on it is a, a little bit ear-splitting, um, but other than that, it was good. Hmm. Um, You're splitting sound design? Okay. Well, how many orphans is what I want to know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we still using orphans? It's a new week. Because Serdane said to use orphans. And no, it's a new week, new metric. New, okay, what's the new metric, everybody? Somebody bring up a new metric. I vote top hats. Top hats. <laughs> Perdicious has a top hat on his user right there, so maybe that works. Um, a, a steampunk top hat looks like. Okay, so how many um, top hats are neat? Okay, we're, we're seeing a lot of support for top hats. How many top hats? Out of five. Uh, out of five, three. <laughs> three? Three out of five I, top I'm, hats? I'm not very far into the game, so I can't give like a, a final thing, but um, and it might have just been the mood that I was in when I was playing it, but the sound Early impression is was a little bit much. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't like it was super loud or anything. It was just that the tones they were using kind of made me feel nauseous. Oof. Just a lot of real high-pitched stuff. Well, maybe I won't grab that one. So what was the name one more time for our fair? Uh, Glitch Space. Glitch Space, okay. It's free on Steam. So go go give it a try if that sounds interesting to you. Um, and then there was... They're saying we should use Dingo Stolen Babies now. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to throw that much shit at Australia. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but maybe next week we'll use Dingo Stolen Babies. This week we're going to stick with Top Hats. So what was the second game? Nyanscience. <laughs> I think it's French for birth. <laughs> it was something. I don't know. It was French. I don't know. Um, which was kind of an old first person exploration platformer puzzle type game. Mm. And it was... It's old enough that it was built in the Unreal Editor, not Ooh. Unreal Engine. The editor. Yeah. Back in the day. Interesting. So did you, have you enjoyed it so far? I actually finished that one. It's fairly short. It was good. Uh, most interesting thing about it is that there's no combat mechanics or anything like that. So to keep the player engaged, they have actually made it so that when you're running, you have to do clicks with the mouse at a specific interval to be able hmm. to continue running. Interesting. So one of those, there have been some games like that recently where you're kind of forced to uh, deal with 
the mechanics of moving the person a bit more specifically. Yeah, it wasn't super in-depth or anything, just, mm. you know. Just a little bit. Remember to breathe, pretty much. How many orphans? Not orphans, probably. How many top hats? Top hats? Uh, we're going to do... I'm going to give that one a three out of five. Like the last one? Or three and a half out of five. Oh, three and a half top hats yeah. out of five. Okay, fair enough. Three regular-sized um, top hats. Three and one, top hats one and for a bowler. A, one for a lolafell. A bowler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Prodigious is, is insisting that they never mentioned Australia. I guess we'll have to take his word. Um, <laughs> when, when he was referencing the dingo baby thing. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Those were the two games you mentioned. Those right? were, those are both free on steam. You might as well check them out. Might as um, well. What were the names one more time? Glitch space and N A E S S E N C E. So glitch space in some French game. Yeah, probably. Anyway, it's they sound like they could be some fun. So give them a give them a try yeah. if you haven't. We always try to show some love to the indie community if we can. So, and then, uh, yeah, in Guild Wars we're not quite ready to talk about. And Minecraft, if you want to talk about that, we can. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Souls three. Eh. One of these days we need to do a deep dive on that. Which is another thing we need to start doing around here is some some deep dives. We're thinking we might start doing special podcasts that are just talking about a particular game mm. and the mechanic or we find interesting. series of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we're f- still figuring it out. <laughs> It'll be whatever it is. So let's move on to the games we actually had that we were we were going to talk about. Um, I don't know if we wanted to do these in any particular order. Oh, we can start with Nefarious, I guess. Um, these are all going to be question question and answer sessions, mostly led by Sechik. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, I don't know. You brought up Nefarious and Elite Dangerous as stuff that you wanted to talk about. So, it's true. Well, I thought we wanted to talk about Ender Lilies as well, right? Well, yeah, but I've been counting that as I wanted to. Yes. Up. Well, Nefarious is like we played that. I played that on stream on Tuesday, mm. and it was interesting. And I don't know if there's like a lot that needs to be said about it because the game is definitely a. It's I don't I wouldn't say it's necessarily all that complex. Um, in terms of like, you kind of what you what you see is what you get. It's a normal platformer, except for you're playing as the villain, purportedly instead of the hero. So the writing is a little bit different as a result. Like you're, you know, the dialogue is you trying to be evil, though in a very it, it's Saturday snarky. morning cartoon. It, yeah, it, it's like Scott Pilgrim evil. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. You steal the princess, and then like the hero shows up. This is in the first level. The hero shows up to try and... Well, you assume the hero shows up to try to take the princess back, and instead he just breaks up with the princess. It's like, dang, man. Yeah. It's rough. It's actually got a lot of similar plot beats on the surface as Megamind. True, it does. It, it, it did remind me of that. But as the story goes on, the, the real strength of that game is that they just are not at all bashful about turning the mechanics on their head. Yeah, and one thing that I did enjoy, this is one thing I definitely wanted to point out, is that game has a really nifty habit of adding a new mechanic halfway through a level. So you go about halfway through the level, you'll kidnap the princess, and they usually give you some extra ability. Um, And the boss fights are pretty much bespoke. Yeah, every boss fight's definitely different. Um, I really enjoyed the the lava level, I don't know. It was kind of Japan-themed. Um, that one was really cool because as soon as you... Well, I won't ruin everything, but as soon as you kidnap the person of interest, um, 
they have an ability where when you shoot your secondary weapon, it leaves a trail of smoke behind and you can walk on the trail of smoke, which totally changes how you play the game because now you can just build bridges that are just there for like a couple seconds. So you got to make use of them really fast. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. And then the boss fight on that one was especially nifty because it was a Final Fantasy 2 or 3 style boss fight, but in reverse, you were the bad guy. So, and I wiped the floor with them. Hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's really much more to say about Nefarious. But I will, it's I guess I... I need cute to, writing. Yeah. Good gameplay variants. It, mm-hmm. it will run a little bit short. I think it will run about six hours if you're trying to just get through yeah. the game. Obviously, For there's a bunch of stuff you can do to I mean I'm a extend I don't that care out. if a game's short as long as it's good like yeah. if somebody charged me if they charged 30 bucks for oh as my brain just totally forgets it was that really short horror game that was supposed to be a demo for Resident Evil PT yeah PT if they charge 30 bucks for that I think people still would have played it yeah it was really good doesn't matter well, now short. people will pay hundreds of dollars for it if they can get a hold of it yeah yeah because anyway. you have to have like what an unpatched PS3, yeah, that had it installed at the time that they took the demos down. It's a trick. They should re- they should re-release it. Come on, folks. But yeah, like Nefarious, I'd probably give it um, four out of five. Probably four out of five top hats from what I played. I, I thought the the first couple levels were a little slow for me, but I think the the level with the uh, with the fire theming and with the the smoke bridges like that really kind of brought it together for me. I do kind of wonder how you would feel about it if you went back and played it off stream, and especially now that you're feeling a lot better. Yeah, maybe. Um, just because there was a lot of times where you were a bit more concerned about being entertaining on stream than you were about like taking in atmosphere or the plot yeah fair enough fair enough so i keep looking over at at chat because my computer is resizing chat for some reason and it makes it look like somebody's posting something repeatedly so yeah it's kind of a odd thing but what are you gonna do Anyway, so that's that's nefarious. Uh, definitely recommend it. Um, I don't know if the four out of five top hats would last the whole entire game, but I, I assume so. It's it's fun. Give it a shot. I don't think it's a problem that it's fifteen dollars and six or seven hours. I think that's fine. that game doesn't really ramp down. <laughs> <laughs> it ramps up. So the next one to talk about a little bit is I think we'll do Ender Lilies, and then the Elite Dangerous conversation is a little bit more philosophical. So let's talk yeah. about Ender Lilies. Ender Lilies. Yeah, so for those who aren't aware, um, a little bit before we started the podcast, Mm -hmm. we came up with a bit of an idea where we would challenge each other to play games. Just one of us would get a hold of the game, send it to the other, and uh, tell them, play it. You don't have a choice. This is for your own good. Yeah, and I, I think the only rule that we have for suggesting games to each other is that by law... Um, Cedric is required to suggest Monster Hunter World every time and I turn them down and then we play a different game. Right? Uh, I'm still not clear <laughs> on the bylaws on that. There may be <laughs> new provisions coming in for Warframe. And, Warframe. Uh, what was the other one? <laughs> Sekiro. I brought up Sekiro, but that was just the first thing that came to mind because no. it, it's the only one that would actually re- require you to pay money in to play. Fair enough. And like Sekiro, I also want to play. So it doesn't really yeah. work. Um, bylaws, bylaws. Fredicious is like, bye, bylaws, <laughs> bye. But, um, anyways, for, oh, uh, really, just really quickly, thanks for the follow, Lunar IPv4. We're just recording a podcast. 
which this our saying thanks to you is probably going to show up on the podcast now because I'm too lazy to edit these things out. So Ender Lilies, anyway. That might have been a bot. Is it a bot? That might have been so. They're they're not like a, a, malicious, not a, a malicious bot, but they're that lunar name is one that was showing up a lot. Oh man, a few months ago they keep messing with my head because yeah. I think I get a follower and then I don't. Quick, somebody delete them, ban them. Just kidding. Unless you speak up soon, lunar IP four V, which sounds like an IP address. Well, we don't have to call them out or anything. I'm just saying that like y- you might. Pick who you do and don't shout out. <laughs> well, I don't. So if it's lunar underscore, it might be a bot. I mean, to be fair, actually, when I look at, um, yeah, it does have IP in the name. And it also has a an emote, like the thing on here shows a bot. So, but why would a bot bother to follow you? Everybody uh, who's listening to this on I the mean, podcast is like, what on earth is going on? You did just shout them out. And uh, there's also just, hmm. Everybody go and follow Lunar IPv4 <laughs> bot who makes the best body content in the bot world. I, I mean, there's just a lot of unknown reasons why they would do it. Uh, Stop testing software. Me, world. I don't get a lot of follows. <laughs> don't be mean. It, it was really wild there for a while because uh, when I was doing games on Twitch back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day. I literally got 200 followers in a month. Mm. but none of them counted <laughs> boo <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway ender lilies ender lilies um, yeah so that was my challenge to Jay to play a month ago now yeah I think so and uh, for those who don't know ender lilies is a 2D metroidvania style game yeah um bit of a European night aesthetic to it, uh, but... And shrooms. And shrooms. <laughs> Lots of shrooms. <laughs> Glowy shrooms. Mm-hmm. The good stuff. Um, and it's a fairly difficult one. It it's, takes a lot of uh, ideas from kind of Dark Souls style of combat where, you know, Self-preservation is a bit more important than actually dealing damage and... Uh, Apparently dodging things matters or something. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed the game. It's got a very beautiful aesthetic, if I can say that word. You just, uh, you just did. We're good. In my mind. And uh, really love the soundtrack to it, except for one song that I don't think Jay heard. Mm. There is one song on that track that should have never been made, and <laughs> I will actively fight anyone that I find playing that in the real world. So if I go and find it and I like it, that would be the real irony, right? (laughs) (laughs) You will not like it. Like, the thing is, like, I say that the song is really bad and terrible. It's very, very obvious that is the entire point of the song. Oh, I see. Because it's towards, like, the later stages of the game. You're getting, Mm. like, really down into the rot. And then as part of the music, you'll just be going through the level and then (gasps) plays right behind your ears and i'm just like (laughs) no stop stop the thing stop the thing so dane thinks that the music for ender lilies is fire it it has a very good soundtrack Mm -hmm. um but anyways that's what i thought about the game (gasps) and jay is gonna prove everything about that wrong really like do i have to 
Uh, that's what you said. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. So what 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 particular things should I be talking about first? Uh, well, because you said you had particular things about it you wanted me to talk about. How far in did you actually get? Oh, eight hours. I think I beat three bosses. So you fought the nun. Mm-hmm. No. Yes, the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I fought her. And then you fought bridge guy, bridge guy, and the with witch, giant hammer, and Elaine the dark witch. Mm-hmm. Who's the only one anyone knows the name of because she went, is absolutely overpowered. Yeah. Who went a little bullet hell on me. <laughs> yeah. Game does it. It does that. Um, but you had actually some trouble getting into the game at first. What was the main thing that was not gelling? Like, I remember the first thing about the game um, that was off-putting was it, it felt like it was trying way too hard to set a mood Mm. like you start the game up and you've got a child who's all dressed in white and glows which is you know a really 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 subtle uh symbolism for innocence just super subtle the game was subtle super (laughs) subtle you know this might be about innocence and childhood and then you've got this dark knight guy that shows up and is kind of tears and and everything around you is decaying and it's all really dark and you've got this one point of light and it's like okay i see i see um we're going right ahead with the brick through a stained glass window approach to setting your tone which is Mm. not necessarily a problem um but then like the other thing that started to become off-putting, and this is going to piss you and probably Sardane off a bit, is the first song that they had was just way too much like, oh, we're trying to be sad. We're going to have some sad piano music now, just so that you know that we're supposed to be sad. I'm just sitting here being like, guys, I, I don't know if you know this, but you know, I don't need to have... Especially the intro. Like, yeah. I think as the song goes on, it gets a bit more... Um, it gets a little bit more complex. Yeah. Um, but, like, the, when when it let off at the very beginning, like, the tone, it felt like somebody had decided that I was too stupid for symbolism. So they would just take all of the tone and shove it straight down my throat. Thinking on it, I would actually agree with you that, like, if they saved that piano music for more... Because, like, they have motifs everywhere. And oh, yeah. It, in general, they love their sad piano music. Yeah. It does actually hit a bit hard on the tone to the point where when I first started playing Ender Lilies, I actually made it up to the first boss without attacking a single enemy. Really? Because you felt bad for him? (laughs) No, because I've played too many uh, games where if they really want to set that tone that hard, Mm -hmm. they're usually telling you that if you engage with combat mechanics, you're going to be punished for it later down the line. Oh, interesting. And it's very common in the indie space, I think. Well, you do you do find out that those little slugs may be children. Because there's a slug you fight later on that's the same sort of slug that talks about how it misses its mom. And it, it very much comes across as this is a kid who got taken over by the slime. Now, me personally, I, I mean, it's slime. What are you going to do? Like, it's lost its consciousness. Um, I didn't feel that, bad about that. That's actually a big thing. I don't know that I felt bad about fighting any of them once it became clear that that was not the story they were trying to tell. Uh, In the lore of the game, they make it very clear that like these people are long dead. Yes. And, well, most and, of them. They point out that some of them have not completely lost consciousness and instead just suffer indefinitely in pain. Yeah. And the only way that their consciousness can which is which really I said rest that I said that to, out loud, and suddenly the song "Crawling in My Skin" by Lincoln Park <laughs> started just in my head playing. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. But like the, the only way to actually get them to rest is to 
purify them, which more or less means kill them. Yeah. <laughs> All um, I know is that I hope that uh, people are really careful around the the game designer um, and, and try to watch themselves because they're clearly an edgelord and you don't want to get cut up by that. You know, if you brown somebody who's an edgelord, you get get chopped up pretty bad. So, so <laughs> I'm being mean and I should point out you, that this was, being mean. this was my, this because was my first impression because it changes as time goes by. But when I first was into the game, I, ex- I personally prefer a little bit more subtlety. In some mm-hmm. ways, the, the mood that was being set was almost an in media res approach where we're starting partway into the story. So since you're you're starting partway into the story, and you really are starting partway into the story, I think it can be really tempting to just be like, oh, this is what the mood needs to be because we're already at the sad part. To me, the problem um, in terms of writing and in terms of theming is that you haven't earned it. You haven't set a base tone. And to Mm. me, it's really, really important to set a base tone before you start yeah. playing with that base tone. Otherwise, the player is going to assume, or at least I assume, that this tone that you've started with and is your actual base the tone. second piece of music that you probably heard, or actually third. because I went up. You had the boss thing. I, I started by going, well, I did the boss fight, yeah. But when, but I, when you went up into the, the hamlet that's mm-hmm. up there on the top level, it stops being so much sad piano music and more... More city. Or city, town, townish exploration. Like when I when I first when I first kind of the, the I'm glad I'm glad you bring it up because like when I first heard that song, like my brain was in this this phase of oh we're trying to edge lord it I guess, and like they start that song and you you hear the girl I don't know I don't think it's the player character personally but you hear somebody singing along with the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first I was like, oh, well, that's kind of edgelordish. But like the more, at least I had it in that context. And so it kind of made sense to me. But as I listened to it more, um, it really just started to kind of sink in with me. If there was anything about the game that started to help me to understand that they actually were good at subtlety and that they were good at layers and that I didn't need to be so yeah judgmental about the tone, it was that song. because I actually think I had pretty much the same experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Something song was about fan- that, that song. And like, the more the more you hear it and the more you interact with it and then you start to realize that if you go underground you can't hear the girl singing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the most unsettling things for me because I'd go underground and like they wouldn't sing and like something like the hairs on the back of my neck would raise. Cuz so I was like where'd she go? Cuz you go into this town that's been utterly destroyed and you have something that's a, the, by the way the, there's a secret item in that area that's a music box as well mm. that plays like a song that's a lullaby and when you find that it starts to become clear oh hey this song is a lullaby it's something you'd sing to a kid and this kid is your main character perhaps there's a connection there I don't really know I didn't play far enough in the game um, it almost feels like somebody's trying to sing to you to help you calm down yeah. and so when you go underground and you can't hear that humming anymore it's like it's unnerving. Like I found myself, if anybody were to go back and watch the playthrough, which may or may not still be on Twitch, um, I started singing the part myself because I couldn't stand it not being there. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I will say that about the same point, I don't know if it's just because of where the mechanics started forcing me to engage with them mm-hmm. or if there is something about the composition of that music that just kind of conveys we know what is going on here and we don't mm. expect you to be a superhuman about it. Yeah. I, no, I'd agree with that. I think that it was very humanizing, mm-hmm. I think is what you're going for there. And on top of that, like after I'd gone up a little bit and done stuff, then I went down and man, the witches area is super. It, very pretty. So in terms of theming, so to, to kind of cut tie that one a, a little bit into a knot, cause we're talking about music. 
Um, I, I do still feel that the way the game let off was a little bit heavy-handed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Serdane's over here being like, how dare they set a mood? And, and honestly, yeah, actually. Um, how dare you smack me in the face with your mood? I, I, I honestly I would, think it was, was the wrong mood. Good. If you were going for any mood there that you wanted to be heavy-handed about, it mm-hmm. should have probably been curiosity because as the player character, mm-hmm. you literally wake up in a crypt. You don't know what's going on. And the thing is, if you kind of start from there and let the person explore a little bit, maybe in some silence, and then the, that the knight shows up and, or something along those lines, and then you have like a conversation or you find them and they kind of explain to you what's going on and then the sad music starts up, maybe a little bit less dramatic, but some sort of sad music starts up, maybe it kind of starts to fit together. I, I don't know. And one thing I will always point out about things like this is it's really easy to criticize. Oh, yeah. It's very hard to do. Um, and I think they did for the most part a really good job because they didn't do so badly that it was unrecoverable you know I wouldn't even say it was bad it was just kind of like eh but then by the time you get to the second section it's really good and going back to the first section after visiting the other sections the theming feels really spot on yeah so you know like a a small gaffe maybe but we're talking about first impressions and that was my first impression but it it changed significantly as I kept playing yeah in terms of music and theming. So were there there were other things you want to talk about though. Um <laughs> sorry, I just saw Prodicious's comment. Cut my life into pieces, I am the last edge lord. <laughs> Thank you, Prodicious. That was a comment on obviously my comment about edge lords. I, I don't know that there's too much more to really talk about Ender Lily specifically, but as a person that is very much into um, 2D platformers, mm-hmm. um, you had a lot of trouble actually yeah, making it this through is, the game. And this is one of the things that I'd wanted, wanted to bring up, actually, because it was a bit of a revelation. for Because I've played... Um, Slain was probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, if you haven't... If, if you're at home wondering what Slain is, go look it up on, on Steam. Slain is totally worth playing. And then there's also Celeste. Very heavy metal. Celeste is... It's it's heavy metal in the best way. Because it's heavy metal that's not really taking itself seriously. Yeah. Any heavy metal that takes itself seriously is confused. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> heavy metal is things like uh, baby metal. That's real heavy metal. Because it doesn't take itself seriously. Who cares, you know? Um... Uh, Prodicious saying they have slain on PS4. It's it's a great game. And the other game that I've played that's kind of a it's more just a pure platformer. But um, Celeste is one of my favorite games. Mm. And I've also played Cuphead, which is a great game. I haven't had a chance to finish it, but I really loved playing that. I loved the styling of that one. Um, I'm I am big into platformers, and I'm also tend to be somewhat big into action games. So the problem for me with Celeste, not Celeste. The problem for me with Ender Lilies was I was used to being really aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of comes from like back in the day when I'd try to play Mario Brothers, the very first one, like as fast as I could. It's like, well, how's the quickest way to get through these levels? I know, I'm not a speedrunner. I, I can't get down into the four-minute segment of you know beating, yeah. beating that game, though I can beat it relatively quickly. Um, so I'm always being aggressive in action games. I always want to take the fight straight to their face. As I've mentioned about Final Fantasy XIV, I like playing monks and dancers because you're just super aggressive. Especially a monk, you're super aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a bit of an adjustment because my brain saw the the game and it, I think I thought I think that I thought that I heard you laughing. Sorry, that's a reference to this <laughs> is my religion, but uh, I thought I recognized the design language. 
Yeah. I thought I recognized what the developer wanted me to do, and it reminded me so much of Slain in terms of like kind of the basic move set that I said to myself, oh, I just need to be really aggressive. And so I'd die a lot because I would get myself into a bunch of untenable positions. It, it, it's interesting to me that the player character being a ghostly, frail little girl did Look, not actually communicate if I had been If I had been an eight-year-old child who glowed, <laughs> and was a little girl, which would have been nice, um, and had several spirits that I could summon to destroy my enemies, I would not have been a passive individual. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been. I would have been anything but. Anyway, I, I'm just saying the, that, like that. Yeah, but the but most the, people look I at say that and you, say, well, like obviously the players should pick up on this, and yet you, I didn't. Didn't to me the design language around the mechanics speaks to a more aggressive approach because your basic maneuver that you can use as much as you want at will is that really, really quick attack. And it's such a useful attack because you can jump in the air and you can like do three attacks and, and float yeah. and then drop to the ground. And in fact, I'd use it all the time to get up really close to a monster and start attacking them like just before I touch down, do those three attacks, hit the ground, do three more attacks and take them out. So it seemed to me like that that attack had been designed to be aggressive. And so I didn't think about it much deeper than that. And that's really kind of like, uh, I think that's where my problem started because eventually what happened for anybody who's curious where this is going is I played it on stream and somewhere in the middle of my playing, Cedric was like, Hey, Hey, Hey Jay. I was like, what? I'm dying a bunch. Help me out. Cedric. And Cedric was like, so you need to dodge the attacks that are coming for you because you're a weak individual. Um, and you're going to die if you don't. And I was like, yeah. wait, I need to dodge? Yeah, dodge first and then attack. And I was like, okay, yeah, now that you mention it, that makes some sense. So I started dodging and then attacking, and suddenly I was a lot better at the game. How crazy is that? It was just a confusion on on my part. And I don't, I'm not trying to call the game designers out on this one, by the way. Like, the, the theming stuff I feel could have been done differently, but this I don't think is is their fault. It's more just kind of an interesting point that there's so many games that are so close to each other in terms of how the mechanics work that it can be really easy to play one game like Slain I, I just think and then that play Ender Lilies and assume that you need to play it the exact same way because they a, feel similar you know I think it, it's a good place to note take notes on though like yeah that someone that isn't coming directly from the genre because Dark Souls Monster yeah. Hunter mm-hmm. um any of the really Souls-like games, um, even Castlevania games, will frequently teach you that aggression, while valuable at times, is only good in moderation. Yeah. Then there's people, and you're going to have people like me whose favorite games are things like Near Automata or Slain, and the thing that I've learned from those is you attack things straight in the effing face. Because you usually have the power to control their mm-hmm. actions via your aggression well and even and even beyond that because that is one point is you can control you can herd them around if you need to but even beyond that waiting around is just asking to have to take more damage mm-hmm. right like there's there's too much possibility for damage the quicker you can get in there the better off you're going to be because the attacks are maybe slightly harder to dodge or something like that um but no, I think I think it's an excellent point. And if if you are a designer listening to this, I'm not. I don't know what the answer is exactly. Do you have a, a bit of an answer for how to help the player to see? Hey, this is a game where you want to dodge first, attack second. Um, so it, it's hard because if you sit there and really tutorialize it, then you're going to be talking yeah. down to a lot of players that are more familiar with the game intentions. Um. 
Honestly, I would I would say if I was giving advice, make sure that the visual language is clear, but I don't know mm-hmm. how much more clear Enderlies could really be on that. And that's the thing that. is I don't know either. Like I, I feel like it's one of those things that may actually be insurmountable and there's really no way to, to fix it other than to hope that people kind of puzzle it out. I mean, to me, it feels like, because one thing I do feel that people who are making tutorials have a problem with, oh gosh, there's a there's a big conversation we're going to have at some oh, point. Because yeah. tutorials is something we've been talking about a lot in various games. And that's actually probably what our first deep dive is going to be about, is about tutorializing. Um, so we're not going to go first deep. First or all? All of them. <laughs> that's what we're going to do on our deep dives. Um, but we do have some thoughts on that, but we're not going to go deep into them right now. But... I do wonder, you shouldn't be afraid, I think, of having just a really brief, like, you know, here's the sensei or whatever, and all they're really saying to you is, hey, focus on, make sure that you focus on dodging and then attacking. Because I've had, to to be fair, the thing that should have really tipped me off um, was the, you remember the Headless Knight that you get eventually? Mm -hmm. They were so good. Like, if they'd started off with a character like that, and they'd pointed out, hey, look at this spirit that you've got. Um, what you really want to obviously be doing is blocking to dodge and then counterattacking. Because as soon as you start get, getting the parry counterattack mechanic into your head, dodging starts to make a lot more sense too, I think. So, or have more bullet hell because then you're always thinking about <laughs> then you're always thinking about dodging. I want to say it was H Bomber guy, very big YouTuber. Yeah. yeah. Um, that did a video on Bloodborne, and one of the main points in the video was that they thought the design of Dark Souls was particularly bad on this point because mm. the first thing they gave you was a shield mm. to engender that type of gameplay. Yeah. But they felt that it convinced people that you needed to... Buckle down and take the damage. And, and block, and rather than being nimble Agile. about it interesting it's not an easy thing to convey and I, I think that there's more and more conversation happening about it these days so hopefully because in a lot of ways what needs to happen is languages need to be developed so that when mm. a player is playing a game there's a really obvious tell you know but, but that's something that can only be with, developed over time you can't yeah. you can't have a big explaining moment where it's like okay we're going to explain the but but as time goes by if you start to be like oh this is a dark Souls style game i should be dodging but the problem with that is then you are alienating people that aren't familiar with the genre. That's fine. I think that's another thing people get afraid of that is not a good thing. I think that it's really easy to get involved in lowest common denominator thinking. It's like, well, but if you're making a it, game that appeals not, to, to Souls players, then just make a game that appeals to Souls players. To a certain extent, yeah, but you you Fair. need the onboarding points because that's one of the things that we talk about in... Uh, the last podcast about like Elite Dangerous. Yeah. They didn't want to have that onboarding point because it wasn't part of the genre. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd agree. It, it, and it's just a habit that they have and they really shouldn't. That's, again, a lot of a, part of a deep dive we need to go into. To catch up on comments really quickly, uh, Serdane talking about how they're going to have to be relearning aggression and moderation when they stream Code Vein. I've heard that about Code Vein as well. Um, so good luck with that. Serdane, go watch Serdane, people. Uh, and Predicious, alienating people who aren't familiar, you mean like not explaining how a game works. Essentially, yeah. We're, I think a lot of what our, we want our deeper dive to be about um, is about how to get across how a game works without being heavy-handed about it. And there, there's more to alienating new players than not explaining how a game works. There's, yeah. You can explain to the players how it works 
perfectly well, but if you don't give the players room to come to grips with basic mechanics and you don't um, allow them spaces that force them to master techniques, mm-hmm. they can get to points where they just get themselves stuck and quit playing. 100%. And, and I think that the reason why I get... Well, I think more along the lines of what Perdicious is saying, I think, um, because it's it's a huge problem in some of my favorite genres, because I'm a huge Sims guy. Um, well, at least games that like to think that they're Sims guy, because we've also had that conversation about how, how do you know if the space Sims is a space Sim. Probably if, not abbreviate Sims, because you also play simulations, a lot of Sims. <laughs> simulators. Like, I play, I'm a huge fan of uh, Train Simulation, mm. a big fan of American Truck Simulator, which is kind of a, a Sim light, but it's still a Sim. Um, I play Microsoft Flight Simulator. I've played Flight Simulators for decades, um, literally. And uh, also, like, Elite Dangerous tries to be sim-like, though, again, the more I play that game, the more I have a hard time seeing it as a sim because I don't think spaceships are going to be designed like that at all. But whatever. Point mm-hmm. is that um, there's there's a lot of games I play that try to be simish. Uh, Cold Waters is another one, which I had Sejic play recently. And yeah. one of the things that seems to be common about sims is they they have this culture of you know, if you're really into this, you're going to know how to do it without us explaining. Like X-Plane, for example, which is another big sim, uh, flight simulator, is famous for this. They don't explain anything on the PC version of the game. Like, you get into the plane and hopefully you know what to do. Because if you don't, you're not going anywhere. Like, there's no tutorials at all. And it's kind of this almost badge of pride that the, these people walk into these games with. Like, you're expected to either know or figure it out. Um, Cold Waters has this problem. Elite Dangerous has this problem. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator tries to fix some of these problems, which will be worth discussing, but still doesn't go far enough, in my opinion. X-Plane doesn't try at all. Um, like, there's just... And it's not limited to traversal simulators or what have you. Yeah. Because games like Minecraft, they pride themselves on being an open world and therefore they do not tutorialize anything. Oh, and you, you gotta love it when the excuse is, well, you see, the game's about exploration. And, and we just want people to kind of, you know, you got to learn on your own and you're going to find mechanics. No, 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 no. That's ridiculous. There's appropriate ways to do that. Um, Minecraft doesn't do it. And anytime that you find yourself thinking, I wish I knew how this worked, I should check the wiki. Yeah. Is where you know you have failed. Anytime you're like, I should go to the subreddit now. Now, to be fair, there are plenty of these games that I do very much enjoy still. Like whenever I'm playing Elite Dangerous, I have Anara up, which is something that'll help me find all the trade routes and where I can find different pieces of equipment to buy. I usually have the shipbuilder up. I'm forgetting what it's called offhand. Um, there's like three web pages I'll have up that help me to look up data surrounding the universe of Elite Dangerous. And as much that- as I am happy to do that and as much as I enjoy it, it's a fail. I shouldn't have to have three web pages up outside of the game to make the game work for me. And I think we'd agree on that. Yeah. And some people, some people are not like me. Like I am happy to put up with that. Clearly a lot of people who play elite dangerous are happy to put up with that, but there are plenty of gamers who will never take the time because they don't feel like they should have to. And then when they don't take the time, they're not going to enjoy the game because yeah. they don't know what's going on. If I had to pick one to actually have done it correctly, I think that I would, pick outward but i don't know how much that is me coming at it from aspects of pulling game language from things i've Mm. played before and it's hard for me to verify that because whenever i try and play outward it tries to melt my computer like legitimately (laughs) 
something about the way they have configured like some that little, game some little two D pixel game, and, and they've just got somewhere in the middle. They've got these random loops that just you know. <laughs> so we, what what does this piece of code do? Well, this piece of code is a multi-threaded loop. Well, what does it do? It goes in a circle for it, you know. It's actually a <laughs> for two thirds of the frame. <laughs> and from what I can tell from my deep dives on trying to fix it, mm-hmm. um, they don't call the world. Really? So the entire game world, the it's entire being rendered all the time is always rendered. Oh man! For anybody listening to this who doesn't, we probably should take it. We're both software developers. Yeah. Um, Sedgwick has done a lot more with video games than I have, though I have also dabbled. Um, and we understand programming. We understand game engines fairly well. Um, but we'll try and explain things when I suddenly realize we're saying stuff most people won't understand, which is what world calling means. Basically, what you want to try to do when you're rendering a scene is you want to only take the time to render the textures and the geometry. Um, of That's things- actually visible. Yeah, that's actually visible. Like the stuff that's behind the player, why would you take the time to render it? Because literally what happens is you render the scene and then there's a camera view. I don't know why I'm drawing this because we're on a podcast. But there's a camera view of the scene that you then actually essentially take a picture of and then you send that to the um, display through the, via the buffers and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, point is, is that you don't need to render stuff that's not in the frame. You just don't. And if you do, that's a lot of math. Mm-hmm. and a lot of running a lot of uh, shaders that don't need to be run. And yeah, And it makes heating. the computer hot and like it's not. not and it, it's one thing if they're not doing world calling in the sense of they're not trimming what's behind you. Yeah. But something that's been pretty basic Things in the industry view. so far is like if you think back to Morrowind, Oblivion, stuff like that. Yeah. If you enter a building, mm-hmm. there's a loading barrier. Yeah. And what that is supposed to do is say, unload everything and only load up this room. Yep. So at worst, you're loading up this room. Yep. As far as I've read online, they don't do that. So Mm. you can be inside of a town where you'll never see anything outside of it and the entire world geometry is still in the memory. We should be clear that we don't necessarily mean loading screens. Like, I think some people might hear that and think loading screens. Loading screens was the old way. Predecessor, yeah. Um, they have now techniques yeah. that do it on the fly. Anyway, let's let's not get too deep in the weeds. The point is, is it that game? So we're talking about communication, I think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it has a fairly decent tutorial um, in that it presents you with a default tutorial to get through mm-hmm. the game. There's a specific tutorial that you can go into if you want to know all of the mechanics up front, mm-hmm. and then once you start in the game. They give you a deadline for a bunch of goals to task and say, go explore. And then everyone in that first town is familiar with your character and sympathetic to your plight to the point where instead of just saying, go figure it out, they're like, well, hey, here's a job you could go do. Or here's something that you might need to know before you start adventuring. Mm. And it just has a lot of things that empower the player to learn about the world and the mechanics before you're ever truly set free. Fair enough. But it's not done in a way that ever feels like you're being limited. We should definitely talk about Tales of Berseria too. Because the Tales of games have like... I remember I was seeing tutorials in Tales of Berseria until I was 20 hours in. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> At some point we're going to cover these things. But to go all the way back to Ender Lilies, which is where this started. Um, I think they do a pretty good job. But I think that it's difficult for folks who come from more aggressive games to understand... 
Um, the, the fact that you need to be using dodge more. So I don't know how to pop properly communicate in a game, hey, this is more of a Souls-like game than an aggressive slain-like game. Um, but I'm sure that as time goes by, as, uh, as developers and as game designers will figure it out. So. so I think that one way that Ender Lilies might do it is currently when you die, mm-hmm. you get put back on a bench. And there's pretty much no transition point. Um, a lot of games that have more intensive loading things will put a pause between when you die and when you respawn that waits for a player input. And yeah. at that point, they could start doing tooltips. And this would be a non-intrusive way to kind of subtly nudge to the player like, <laughs> try dodging, you putts. <laughs> and it, it sounds like something that you get told by a game that's trying to make fun of you but i think that i am now starting to realize that those types of uh, pseudo passive aggressive comments that are being made can also be very helpful for people that got the wrong impression fair it enough. can kind of reset the expectation fair enough and i've actually seen videos about how losing loading screens has actually caused some issues for mm-hmm. for these sorts of things but you know that's that's ender lilies I, I we had one more game we wanted to talk about and i think we covered the two main things about ender lilies we, we kind of wanted to talk about which was theming and mm-hmm. also uh my confusion over over the nature of the game um in terms I mean, of there's still a lot more i could gush over on that game but oh, i think sure. you would actually have to finish it one of these days maybe but uh to give a quick synopsis keeping in mind that i only played uh somewhere around eight hours i think i played a few more hours on the switch as well because yeah i'd say you're probably about a fifth of the way through the game oh cool but i would definitely give that one a good a good solid four out of five pesos are we doing pesos now? Just kidding. Yeah, apparently. Four to five sombreros. So four out of five top hats, I think, is what we're, what we're doing. So I think it was actually quite good. I recommend it. Um, it's definitely a, it's a Metroidvania game that has uh, Souls-like qualities to it. Um, the theming and the music only become better, so don't get too worried if you start the game and you're like, oh, this is a bit over the top. Like, it becomes very beautiful. And I think the theming ends up being incredibly good. Is it my favorite theming of all time? No, because it never really loses the over-the-topness. It just the over-the-topness makes sense eventually, rather than feeling kind of in your face. So yeah. that would be my that would be another recommend. We need to have a game on here that we don't recommend. Do we have any games from this last week that we don't recommend? There's a bunch that I have been like. I don't recommend to recommend. I don't recommend New World, <laughs> but I'm not going to talk about it. So we need to start talking about games we hate, so people know that we can hate things. Uh, we already did that last week, did we? Yeah. Oh yeah, don't play No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have hated things, just not this week. Yeah, I think Basically. that for me, Ender Lilies gets four and a half out of five. Just very nice. very solid game yeah um it stumbles a little bit on new player introduction especially if you're not familiar with uh the more souls like pacing of stuff where mm. you need to protect yourself um but overall very good game yep. um i'd agree most of my complaints are stuff that i can't actually talk about <laughs> spoilies so uh, moving on to the very last topic which is we I keep saying we're going to talk about Elite Dangerous, but really we're not going to talk about Elite Dangerous. We're going to talk about something that I I discovered while playing Elite Dangerous. This is this is, phil, this is philosophy corner. I need a button for philosophy corner. Philosophy is a joke, so you get it. I thought it would have been the crickets. No one wants to talk about it. Maybe. There we go. 
This is the shiny thing. Talk about shinies. We're going to make this noise. Um, so I was playing Elite Dangerous this last week, as I was the week before. There's going to be a lot of talk about Elite Dangerous for a while because I'm really enjoying that game. And the reason why is interesting to me. I've been on a two-year crusade, it seems, longer than that, to try to figure out why it is my wife enjoys shiny hunting, um, which is which is truer than it might sound. Um, this coming from the guy that played American Truck Simulator. Hey, it's an amazing game. <laughs> but the difference is like American Truck Simulator, which I think most people would count as not super exciting. I've put like 60 or 70 hours into. And my wife has put thousands of hours into shiny hunting. Thousands. More than like some of the top players I've seen on MMOs and such. Like she's put into shiny hunting. And I think a lot of folks who are familiar with shiny hunting, which is basically just doing hundreds of encounters if not thousands of encounters with a particular kind of Pokemon until you find one that's a slightly different color. Pokemon Roulette. Yeah, basically. Like, that's essentially, like, the mechanics of it. It's more exciting than that because you really want the shiny, and so going through that long waiting period and, and sticking with it is a rewarding experience. But the mechanics of it are kind of boring because you go, to me, you go into a fight and then you get out of the fight if it's not the right thing. That's it. And you do it repeatedly. Now, there are other methods as well, as maybe we'll have Krona come on and it explain at some point. Um, there's bunches of ways to go after shinies, but they all tend to kind of center around not really doing much for a long period of time. And I remember watching Krona do this and being, A, surprised that anybody did it because it looked boring. This was back when I hadn't really been enlightened on, uh, in any way, shape, or form. I should also point out I have ADHD and I have a very short attention span sometimes. But um, I remember being surprised that she did that as much as she did. Um, but after a little bit of time of kind of getting used to it, I went from being surprised to being jealous. Because it's like, I kept having to buy new games. I have a hard time finishing games. I, I would get, I'll get into a new game that I find really exciting. I'll play it for five to ten hours. And even if I really like it, I sometimes won't play it any further. I've gotten like three hours into Doom Eternal, for example. I think I've gotten four hours into Rebel Galaxy, which I hope I'll pick up again, but I may not. Like, I, I chronically do this. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of been a, an ongoing thing for me with trying to figure out the uh, reason why some folks are able to do that. Because as time went by, I started to find out that she was far from alone. A lot of people enjoy this mode of gameplay. And again, like, until, until very recently, I don't think I really completely understood it. Now, real quick, let's see what Perdicious is saying. Uh, there's a massive amount of determination and patience that goes into being a shiny hunter. I'd agree. I'd agree. But there's another really key ingredient I found. Um, and this has been a thing that's slowly been building in my own mind is a, is a sort of understanding over the last year in talking to Krona and in observing other people playing games that are somewhat boring, at least seem to be boring. And probably the better way to explain it is not to say that the games are boring, but to say that the games aren't captivating. They don't require you to pay attention 100% of the time. And there are a lot of games that have this sort of activity. Final Fantasy XIV has crafting. You don't really have to pay 100% attention to crafting. It's just not really like that. Uh, gathering especially is like that. Um, there are other games that are, that are centered around gathering and crafting that kind of a similar sort of thing. And what I've started to notice, and Elite Dangerous has this same sort of thing where there's a lot of busy work and then finally you get something exciting, is a lot of these folks are doing things in the background, which... You know, I was like, well, but why would you 
why would you do? <laughs> why would you do this? I don't think, Sajik, do you play with anything in the background ever? Because you, you strike me as a person who tries to find kind of single-player experiences that are more story-driven and just play them. So it really depends on the on the game. Um, but I, I do that very frequently, uh, especially YouTube, uh, having videos that I'm ostensibly listening to more than watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of edutainment stuff on there, so Ooh. it's not necessarily the most interesting visuals. Usually a graph or something every now and again, but it's not the main point of it. And what what sorts of games are you playing when you when you do that? Uh, I'm assuming you wouldn't do that during like Ender Lilies, for example. Oh heck no! no. <laughs> I would die so quick. Yeah. Um, in games like Ender Lilies, ones that are action oriented, sometimes I'll put on my own music, not for Ender Lilies, but mm. if it's a game like dark souls where good music sure but it's not really the driving force of the game quite as much as it was in ender lilies um i'll put my own music on which might be a similar thing but moreover doing stuff or watching shows while playing games comes from games like minecraft stuff where if i just need to put it down Mm nothing will happen uh that's that's the key thing so Um, you don't really need to pay that close of attention and it's it's interesting because i've I've seen similar divides when i I went onto the elite dangerous subreddit um in pursuit of this knowledge now i have to point out again and kind of reiterate like my understanding for the longest time with games is if this isn't keeping 100 percent of my attention why am i doing it i think part of it has to do with how my brain works Uh, people with adhd actually have a harder time with context switching than most people do, um, which for anybody who's curious, because you're here for psychology for some reason, um, you have a, a working memory inside of your brain that's very close to your kind of central thought processes. And you'll have a working memory um, that is being used right now for kind of the logical things that your brain is going through when it's making conversation or trying to do a thing. And then there's kind of a space just adjacent to it that you can kind of swap back and forth in between. You can't do two things at once, but you can context switch between those two modules and go back and forth between those sets of information so that you can be doing one thing and then switch to another thing and then switch back again very quickly. Sometimes so quickly that it feels like you're doing two things at once, but you're not really. If it needs conscious thought, you can only do one thing at a time. So if you have a game, for example, where you need to kind of think about what you're doing on occasion, you can context switch over to the game and then two seconds later when you no longer need to pay attention to what you're doing, you can context switch back to YouTube. People who have ADHD actually have significant problems with that context switching. So that's part of what I'm working against here. Um, but knowing that it's actually made it a little bit easier to start to figure these things out. So I went on to Elite Dangerous to flip back to where we were before. I went onto the subreddit and I actually asked a question saying, do you do background activities while you're playing the game? And what is your favorite mode of play? Just how, what's your favorite thing to do? And it was almost like ubiquitous that you had people who liked playing space trucker. So they wanted to do commodity trading. They'd buy something in one system and then you have to do like 15 system jumps, which each one of those takes a few minutes and you just kind of go from place to place. It's really repetitive. It's not super exciting. Um, Almost all of them like to do background stuff. Some of them would talk about binging shows on Netflix or completely catching up on something that they'd been meeting to watch like a documentary. Other people would talk about podcasts. They wouldn't talk about music though. They'd talk about things that required a little bit more attention. Right. You know, and then almost ubiquitously again, folks who 
would say, oh, I love combat. That's my favorite thing to do is to go find a fight. They never did things in the background. Now, when you think about it, it's kind of obvious, but I think what surprised me is how uniform it was. Like really, there was nobody who was like, oh, I'm way into combat, who was also watching other things in the background, you know? So I kind of, I don't know if this necessarily means anything in particular, but what it got me to think was, hey, maybe I should be doing Elite Dangerous while listening to podcasts. So I started doing that. Um, I started listening to uh, some neuroscience podcasts, which is one of my favorite topics. And I also started listening to The Nine Club, which is one of my favorite skateboarding uh, podcasts. And John Boy Media has a bunch of good baseball podcasts. There's a bunch of podcasts out there. So I started listening to those and it was crazy how much more I started to enjoy the game. And it's weird because like, I think something in your brain, part of me is really curious on a psychological level, why it is the game feels more fun when I have a podcast going. Because shouldn't it be that the podcast is what's fun because it's doing the brunt of the entertaining and then the game is just kind of there is the thing that I'm, I'm just kind of doing. But literally the way that it worked psychologically is like, I don't think about myself as playing Elite Dangerous while listening to podcasts. Like, it's not like, oh, I went out to listen to some podcasts and I thought I'd put Elite Dangerous on to kind of occupy some of my time. It's the opposite. I think most people who play these games and then have background things that they're doing, you think of yourself as playing the game and these other activities are the ride-alongs, which is weird because the other activity is usually... 95% of your mental energy because that's what you're listening to or that's what you're kind of doing. Um, but usually the background content doesn't have like the endorphin loop. Yeah, I was going to say that I think for me, I usually associated this phenomenon, if we're calling it that. I think it should be considered. Um, I think it's interesting. It was always about a sense of purpose. Yeah. If you're watching shows and especially I think people in the millennial generation and more recent watching TV was something that was always frowned upon. Yeah. Because you're wasting doing your time. Exactly. Uh, and having something that you're doing while watching TV was considered relaxation. Yeah. Um, and so it just kind of carried over into later on in life where it's like well I could listen to this or I could actually do something while I'm doing it. And as you start getting more towards stuff that you want to listen to, you find yourself wanting more stuff that requires more attention, which is where something like elite dangerous, it requires pretty much constant fiddling Mm -hmm. to continue to play elite dangerous. You don't just set it up and watch. Yeah. Um, It's not very in-depth fiddling if you know what you're doing like if you have a plan just like just like shiny hunting is not in-depth fiddling you know but it it doesn't progress unless you're working on it and it allows you to have a clear sense of progression when you're done with it because Mm -hmm. shiny hunting if you found a shiny that is a lot of progress yeah and that feels like the reward elite dangerous if you're making money you're getting progress in minecraft if you're seeing your dent on the land or getting your new tool upgraded you know it's progress and it allows you to kind of trick your brain into thinking that you are 
producing stuff. And I feel like that that the endorphin loop is the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's how we kind of work in real life is we're willing to do things that are boring for a prolonged period of time, provided there's a payoff that yeah. we recognize as being worth doing. And we trick ourselves with video games um, in a sense, because I personally think that accomplishing something in a video game counts just as much as accomplishing something in music. Neither of them are going to feed you, but... Uh, there, there's a distinction, know. though, that I would make is that your accomplishments in... Um, Elite Dangerous, mm. stuff that I do in a single-player Minecraft world, mm. and I guess kind of less so for Shiny Hunting, because there's a, a proper community around it, but a lot of those more single-player experiences that are tedious mm. are still rewarding to our brains, even if there is no purpose to them. Yeah, but uh, that's why I say I think that we kind of fool our brains, is because you, yeah. anything that causes you to have to wait for a bit and do a busy task and then have a payoff feels like a task and i think that's why even though it's a really simple task that you're doing that's why you feel like that's what you're doing you feel like i'm playing elite dangerous i feel like i'm playing minecraft i feel like i'm shiny hunting the reason why you feel that is because it has the do a thing get a reward and that feels like you're doing something at that point whereas listening to a podcast or something else that's entertaining is just listening like i don't listen to the the podcast because i'm trying to learn something to make my life better i'm just curious about neurobiology yeah uh, to really quickly grab a couple comments here, um, Sardane talks about how uh, they watch Critical Role while playing long-form strategy games like CK2 and Stellaris, which is similar to what we're talking about. Um, I can basically play those on autopilot, so it's something else to pay attention to while waiting for my resources to pile up. And I think that both those games have a similar sort of model, where there's a lot of busy work for a long time, and then there's a payoff when you finally take over a new area or whenever you finally get to a new era um, of technology or you get down the technology tree or whatever it happens to be. And depending on what you're doing in those games, you can just walk away. True. These are all games that you can pause. Because that is one thing about combat is like you kind of got to be paying attention to go back to the Elite Dangerous thing because the folks who are way into combat, well, of course you're paying attention. Like if you weren't paying attention, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, so games that are really good for this. Oh, also, Perdicious points out that he's actually listening to us right now while he's running around in the nether. I'm assuming he means Minecraft, though. That yeah. could be something else. Um, anyway, the point being that there are, and this is the real thing that I want to get to, because I've noticed that there's almost a condescension sometimes from some types of gamers who see the idea of a game that doesn't fully engage your attention as somehow being less I've seen this in the Elite Dangerous subreddit several times where people be like, oh man, I wish they just gave us more to do so that when we're we're going from galaxy to galaxy, like maybe the ship could fly itself and, and we could have some crafting on board and like, I just want to have something to do all the time. And I kept, I was going into that, uh, that thread where they were talking about this and I kept responding to folks saying, actually, I think a lot of folks like that there's downtime because they have backup stuff that they're trying to do at the same time. And I kept getting upvoted <laughs> because there are plenty of people on the subreddit who seem to think the same way. And I think this is actually, in the end, a good lesson for game designers. I mean, you have to decide what you're going for. You, you, I don't think trying to do both at the same time is really even possible. You can have separate modes in the same game that accomplish different things, like having combat versus having space trading, um, or having lots of combat in Minecraft versus just digging stuff up or whatever you're trying to do. Or in Pokemon, you can go and join the battle scene if you want. There's a PvP scene. Or you can just do the shiny hunting. But I think it's important for developers to understand that there are plenty of players out there who are using your game 
to just get that little tiny endorphin loop going because it helps them to feel that they're doing something because they are doing something. But in some ways they need that extra capacity because you've got to feel like, and this is where it, it feels like a trick and, and I don't want anybody to feel bad for me saying this because I think this is perfectly fine. But sometimes, as you alluded to earlier, we feel a little bit guilty doing things that are just fun, like just listening to that podcast or just watching that movie or just catching up with Sex in the City because you've never seen it before and for some reason you're interested. I don't know, whatever it happens to be. It's good to have that game with that endorphin loop because it helps you to feel like you're doing something while in the background you're actually doing the thing that you're enjoying just as much, if not in some cases more. I think that you would see the same thing in the past, people who used to work on cars. Like it's amazing some of the hobbies of the past, how much they work like this. Cause you'd have people go out to the shed to work on making a table or go out to work on a car or go to work on any some number of small projects. But what do they have going in the background? The baseball game, the football game, the basketball game. You know, you don't want to just sit down and listen to the game because you feel like you're not doing anything. So you go out and you find something to do and then you have the thing you actually are interested in kind of going in the background. And some people would say, oh, but if you make a table, you have a table, to which my response is, you're not making money off the table and you're probably not going to actually use the table for anything. You just wanted something to do with your hands. Uh, same thing with the car, you know, and same thing with games. So I just, if and there was oh, kind ahead. of a, a good point off of that is right now, my dad's kind of going through a big phase of doing that himself. Yeah. Yeah. He'll go out to the shed and spend four hours and be making tools and stuff to help him organize the shed. Mm -hmm. But then what is the point of those? He now has more tools to make more tools to make his shed better and better. And it's this, is a video, this is a video game waiting dangerous. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> we should make Shed Dweller a game. <laughs> I think that people would play the, the heck out oh, of that. Oh, absolutely. Because you see it with other games that are very simple, like like House Flipper, you know, or they recently came up with like Lawnmower Simulator, or like whatever. I think that they're just things that you kind of have in the foreground to occupy your mind while you're doing entertaining stuff. I'm not trying to say that yeah. you should make your game so boring that the person needs something to do in the background to actually enjoy things, because I do enjoy playing Elite Dangerous. I enjoy it quite a bit. But it's kind of nice that it's so down-tempo that I can do stuff in the background, and I yeah. think it's actually very mentally healthy for people to have activities like this because I think it helps you to relax more than almost anything else because it's low stakes endorphin loop plus a fun thing. And I think that's an excellent way to relax. And I think everybody should do it by listening to this podcast mm. <laughs> while playing a game. So would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's going to be different for any individual on what that's going to be. Yeah. I, for one, can sit down and play Monster Hunter World and Dark Souls because I'm very familiar with them exactly. and still be able to do this. And they're both down-tempo games, but mm -hmm. they do require attention. There is, and there, is a, there is a deeper dive somewhere in there. Yeah. Trying to figure out why some games are down-tempo games for some folks but not others. Like Monster Hunter World wasn't a down-tempo game for me. Now, we've talked about this before. And our really basic, obvious theory is that I wasn't as familiar with the game. So, of course, it doesn't become down-tempo to me. I, I don't have the practice. I also wonder, though, if you were hitting the same problem you did with Ender Lilies, where you were like, this is a melee combat game. I need to be paying attention all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's stuff that you do need to pay attention to all the time in Monster Hunter World. Losing track of where the monster is. Very bad. Meh. But... <laughs> um, you yeah. don't need to sit there and like white knuckle grip the controller yeah, no. because really the attack animations are going to take as long as they take. Yeah, they are. And I think you do have a bit of a point. And some of it has to do with like 
what do you enjoy in background stuff? Like, do you, it, like I said, it's a, it, it could yeah, be a very interesting deep dive. I can't look away from Monster Hunter World. Yep. I can absolutely listen to something. Yeah, and for me, like, uh, there are some games I've played where it's really easy to have a video going at the same time. A lot of folks talk about the, the bigger trade routes in Elite Dangerous being something where you can watch a show, like, visually see the show at the same time. For me, the most I can probably do is a podcast. I kind of got to keep my eyes on things. Cause I, get, I get a little paranoid about being pulled out of, um, hy- not hyperspace, that's Star Wars. Um, I get a little bit nervous being pulled out of Super Cruise by people who want to like steal my yeah. stuff. But when they deactivate your friendship drive, <laughs> my friendship drive. That's what you use to go between different systems. But at any rate, um, it's going to vary for different people, and that's that might be worth a deeper dive at some point. But it's not something we need to go into right now. the The basic message I'm getting across to anybody who is uh, hunting horn best weapon comes from Sardane. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's anything I wanted to get across to any developer that might be listening to this, it's that it, it's actually important to have modes like this. And if you notice that you have a segment of your gaming population that is playing your game and enjoying it, even though you feel like you could jam more stuff in there, make sure you communicate with the community before you go jamming more stuff in there. Because they might be playing your game because there's not more stuff in there. Don't assume yeah. that more is better because I've seen... There's a lot of fa- fallacies that come from adding more content. Uh, one of them is that more content is always better, even if it's not requiring the previous content or not mm-hmm. interjecting on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Warframe does this a lot. They will add more content and more content and more content <laughs> And they don't necessarily go back and polish the old content. Yeah, that's a problem. And I think also, like, FOMO needs to be considered. Like, the guy on the subreddit for Elite Dangerous who was, ex- who was saying, no, we just need to have it so that, like, you can you can go from galaxy to galaxy, but you can kind of step back into crafting at the same time. And I know that me saying, well, I don't want that in there, a lot of folks would say, well, just don't do that. And it's like, no, FOMO, man. FOMO, you have to understand. If yeah. I know there's something I could be doing... And I'm Players not will doing it. Their actions, regardless well, of how fun it is, and even even beyond that, because um, that is true. And I think that's a result of the FOMO problem: is you feel like, oh, well, I ought to be doing something, so I'm going to go ahead and and do it. But if you decide, like, well, no, but I'm, I need to relax today, so I'm not I'm not going to do the thing. Suddenly, you're dealing with that guilt, and it's like, oh, but I, I could be optimizing, but well, I don't want it today because I'm trying to relax. Well, but you could be optimizing why aren't you optimizing jay i just if i could just relax today no optimize like that's the problem is if you know there's something there that you could do you feel somewhat obligated to do it so you have to be really really careful that you're not filling in those gaps i think leaving mandatory gaps for people who want to have background stuff going is optimal at least in one mode of gameplay maybe not all well probably definitely not all because there's some people who really don't want the gaps but yeah this is where communicating with your player base, which is another big topic that we, we touch on a lot, is just super important. Make sure that you're not closing gaps that people need to enjoy the game. Uh, a couple of comments we're going to catch up on. And did you have any last thoughts on that, or can we wrap that one up, do you think? Uh, I mean, my brain just kind of shut down what the conversation <laughs> even was. So. Well, we're, we're, we're just over two hours, so it's getting to time where it's it's time to, for all good podcasters to, to come to an end. But to finish off the comments here, doot doot mother truckers. Nice. <laughs> Perdicious says that the power button is the best weapon, and this is true. <laughs> I can't argue with that. In Sardane making some comments about Warframe that Cedric may want to chime in on. At this point, Warframe is less a game and more a collection of minigames. 
It's Mario Party. Just, you know, in space with a they lot of tumbling. They have a fighting game, a third-person shooter, a platformer, a space combat game, oh. a second space combat game. <laughs> um, See, now, I, I feel, I'm feeling PvP it because... PvP modes. Elite, they, they have yeah. a MOBA mode, pretty much. Oh, wow. Um, there's capture the flag there's we're gonna end this podcast while he's listing these things just like fade out as he's just going on for the next forever and it gets absolutely ridiculous when you actually consider (laughs) how the frames work because they're yeah basically separate classes if you've ever played a mmo they're Mm -hmm. all separate classes much more limited than typical mmo classes but yeah i don't know yeah so i i think there's some amount of um, agreement, Serdane, on this side. Um, he says that he, Serdane says that they still love it, but it needs some TLC. And that's probably another conversation that we can have on, on another day. But, and a lot of games are kind of in that position. I know Elite Dangerous just added a ground combat mode, and I'm a little nervous because I, I don't know if it's an expansion on gameplay or we're adding a second, a third mode. You know, because we've got space trucking, space combat, and now ground combat. I don't know. But it seems to be like it's separate enough from what I'm doing that I don't really care so Until anyway i would beep people to board your ship that's true that'll change things a little bit um but that's where you play in solo mode <laughs> i've found out a lot of people who do the kind of space trucking thing just, just put in solo mode interesting thing about no solo mode not to. yeah because in solo mode you can still see all these ships anyway that, that's a whole big conversation in elite dangerous but but yeah there's really no punishment for doing solo mode as long as you're just doing space trading because you can still see all the all the players um you can see all the fleet carriers which is what matters um and you can and the economy is still affected by players that you you can't see like it's all the stuff still happening you just can't see other players and they can't shoot you so is that appropriate at this point i think that means it it feels a little tangential (laughs) we need we need a wrap-up sound maybe that i don't know no i do like how that button's pink Mm. nice Anyway, I think that's going to wrap it up for Enroll Point for today, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for coming along and listening to us ramble for two hours and some minutes, depending on how much I cut out and if I cut anything out, and depending on if I get this up and on any, any podcast services. Because I did start researching it this last week, but uh, I haven't figured out exactly where the podcast is going to be housed yet. And we need to come and up with better... YouTube. That actually is worth being a joke. We could put things on YouTube. I don't think we will, though. I really want this to work as a podcast, especially because I like podcasts more these days. So we're going to figure out how to... you just want to say the word podcast. 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 So we'll figure out how to get this distributed so folks can share it. I need to get the last one up as well. Like, we're just kind of getting a bit of a back catalog going. But hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Thanks to Prodicious and Serdane, and I believe Chronofox made comments up there as well. Um, Thanks to Lunar IPv4 for being an awesome bot. I guess. Um, and to the many, 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 many people who wanted to know if I wanted to be famous or not. Um, okay, there was just, we only had one, I think. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. So thank you again. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all same time next week. We will be here again, hopefully, between two and four, bringing you the latest in Soldier Boy news and talking about games that we've played. Mostly the former. <laughs> Anyway, we'll talk to y'all later.